keeping with the tradition, I'll now bow to my right and bow to my left. Uh, and having done so, uh, we'll now observe a moment of silence for prayer or meditation. Thank you very much, honorable members. Please may allow me to remind delegates that the rules apply and so to the process for the hybrid city. Uh, before we proceed, I would like to make the following announcements. That delegates who are physically in the chamber must connect to the virtual platform as well as insert their cards to register on the chamber system. That they must switch off the sound of their gadgets. That delegates must ensure the microphones and the gadgets are muted and rem remain muted at all times. Um, that they should please use the, the floor that microphones and that they should please wear face masks at all times. That they should, uh, that they, they should uh, occupy seats marked for that purpose uh, that they should do at all times, uh, maintain social distance, a distance at least uh, of one and a half meters from each other. Uh, delegates must uh, switch on their videos if they want to speak and or address the chair. Any delegate who wishes to speak must use the raise uh, hand function or icon. All delegates may participate in the discussion through the chat, the chat room. Having gone through uh, these uh, announcements, uh, please allow me to then move on to uh, notices of, of motions. Um, are there any notice of motion from members? Honorable member? Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. I hereby give notice on behalf of the African National Congress that in the next sitting of the House, the House debate, the good work done by the ANC-led government of the Eastern Cape in ensuring that investment to East London IDZ continues and the motor industry in the Eastern Cape is growing. The East London IDZ announced the launch of two investors, Ebo Automotive System worth 150 million rand, and Oria Automotive System worth 172 million rands, and the one 
TI automotive fuel system expansion worth 118 million. The three investments are all within the automotive sector and are part of the 16 new investments that translate into 3.327 billion worth of private sector investment. With a job creation potential of 2,078 new direct jobs in the zone since 2018. I so move. Thank you. No, thank you very much. Uh, I hear there's uh, some sound in the background. Uh, yes, what point of order is that? Because, uh, we are dealing with what, what's, your, what's your point of order, Gauze first? Chairperson, we are dealing with notices of motions, not uh, motions without notice. The member is raising a motion without notice. That has to be corrected. Yes. No, the member chair didn't listen. This is notice of a motion. I, I started by saying, I hereby give notice. So that is a notice of motion. Okay. No, it's not. Uh, Many things there. No, no, thank you very much, uh, uh, members. Uh, oh, of course, I mean, it's, it's, it's not... Um, Ordinarily, ordinarily, uh, uh, the notice of motions themselves should not be too long, ordinarily. Uh, uh, maybe that's what can, can be said. Otherwise, uh, 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 we, should, we, should, we should proceed. Uh, thank you very much. Any other notice of motion? Yes. Chairperson, I, I just want to hear because a notice of a motion is asking for a debate. So did he ask for a debate? Okay. No, thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Chair. Okay. Um, I rise on behalf of the economic freedom fighters that uh, the council in its next sitting debated a complete eradication of mud schools in the Eastern Cape before the end of the first term in 2022, which should have been irrigated nationally by November 2016. Yet today they still exist. I so move. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Any other notice of motion? Um, no, thank you very much. Uh, we will then move on to Chairperson. 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 yes. Yes, I've raised my hand, Chair. Yes. Yes. Uh, on what point are you rising, Zandamela? I'm not rising on a point of order. I'm, I'm saying my hand was up for, for the motion. Can I proceed? Yeah, please proceed. No, thanks, Chairperson. Can I just do to network here? It's giving us problems. Can I leave my, can I switch off my video? Chairperson, I, I rise on behalf of economic freedom fighters that the council in the next meeting debate the state of embattled 
local municipality municipalities which were placed under administrating under administration in the previous term. I so move, Chairperson. Yes, thank you very much, Zandamela. Any other notice of motion? Mukause. Mukause, yes. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Chair, I hereby move on behalf of the Economic Freedom Fighters that in its next sitting, the Council debates the eradication of asbestosis roofing in the Northern Cape province, which are posing a health risk to our people. I so move. Yes, if if um, if we can try and 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 repeat the motion again, uh, and try to be a bit slower and speak to the mic. Honourable Mkause, am I audible, Chair? Yes, you're audible. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. I hereby move on behalf of the Economic Freedom Fighters that in its next sitting the Council debates the eradication of asbestosis roofing in the Northern Cape province, which poses a health risk to our people, I so move. Thank you very much. Uh, the next one, Matebula. Honorable Matebula. We'll pass Honorable Matebula. And we'll move on to Detroit. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Motion. Thank you, Honorable Chair. On Please behalf proceed. of the Freedom from Class, I hereby give notice in that the next... 2019, I so move. Am I protected, Chair? We didn't hear you, Honorable Detroit. Thank you, Chair. Yes. On behalf of the Freedom from Class, I hereby give notice that during the next ordinary sitting of the House, I will move that the House debates the shortage of equipments like bulletproof vests, similar equipment, and fire protection equipment in public order police deployments is um, in an unfortunate reality. And the shortage of these equipment endangers lives of the brave men and women that are on the forefront of crime fighting and crime prevention. And that the shortage of uh, um, sufficient service vehicles and specialized vehicles hammers the operational effectiveness and safety of these units, I so move. Thank you very much. Uh, we will now move on um, to the motions, motion, motions without notice. Yes. Oh, Chief Whip. Thank you. No, uh, we we'll come to you, Chief Whip. Oh, yeah. Uh, to motions without no, without 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 notice. Um, BB and Killian. Okay, let's start with BB. Honorable BB. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, I rise on behalf of the African National Congress that this August House notes with concern. One, the reliance of majority of the historical disadvantaged sections of our people on the informal economic for livelihood. Two, that this economy continues to be relegated to the, to the periphery of uh, integrated policy interventions 
by the devastations of the COVID-19 pandemic and the recent uh, July 2021 unrest, believing that uneven regulations and integrated support of this sector by the local government and the mines government were on wide policy interventions in this critical sector of our economy. Therefore, calls on the Minister of Small Business Development in collaboration with the Department of Culture, the Session Department in the Economic Cluster and other critical stakeholders to speedily put in place a process of developing an integrated national master plan on the informal economy as a matter of agency. I so move, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Bibi. Um, any objection to the motion? None. There being no, no, no objection, uh, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Uh, Honorable Arnold. Uh, thank you, Alcee Person. I rise on behalf of the economic freedom fighters that the council notes uh, that the Bill of Rights is entrenched in the constitution set out that everyone has the right to basic education, which the state through reasonable measures must make available and accessible. Further notes that section 29, subsection one of the schools act stipulates that everyone has the right to basic education and makes it compulsory for all children to attend school from the age of seven until they reach the age of 15 or at the end of grade nine, whichever comes first. Acknowledge that there exists a challenge for space in schools, especially grade one and eight, and that at the beginning of each school year, all provinces experience a high demand with parents fighting to have their children placed in schools. Further acknowledge that at the beginning of each school year, many children are stuck at home for weeks without access to basic education. Recognize that the department needs to work with speed and efficiency in order to place all learners before the start of the new school year and ensure that there is enough places for all the learners in their provinces to attend schools. Further recognize that admission policies and processes remain influenced by inequalities and spatial injustice with schools in previous disadvantaged areas remaining overcrowded, under-resourced, which affects the admission crisis. We therefore, as the economic freedom fighters, call on the Minister of Basic Education to ensure that all learners are placed in schools without delay and to protect the interests of all learners in line with the Constitution. I so move, Chairperson. Thank you, thank, you very, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Arnold. Uh, any objection to the, to the, to the motion? None. Uh, the motion is therefore agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Um, Honorable Bartlett. Honorable Bartlett. Thanks, Honorable Chairperson. Chairperson, is it possible for me to uh, raise my quest, my motion without notice, without my video? Chairperson, yes. can you hear me? 
So we're now dealing with motions without notice. Without Please notice. proceed. Yes, Chair. Can I proceed? Yes. Chair, I hereby move without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that the House firstly notes that Sergeant Billy Hoffman of the Public Order Police in Springbok shot and killed his wife, Carmen Rousseau, and shot and injured another man before committing suicide with his service pistol on Saturday, the 4th of December. Secondly, Chair, further note that Carmen Rousseau was shot three times in front of a sister and other friend, and an unknown man was shot and wounded in his head. Thirdly, Chairperson, also know that Sergeant Hoffman fled the scene after shooting the victims and decided to take his life when the police caught up with him. And lastly, Chairperson, therefore, sent our condolences to the family of the deceased and hope for a full recovery to the injured person. On behalf of the African National Chairperson, I so move. Thanks, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, any, any objection to the motion? None. Uh, the motion is, is, is therefore agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable Gillian. Honorable Chairperson, I hereby move without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that the House notes that two farmers appeared in the Powell Magistrate Court for a murder of a man they suspected of theft on Thursday and the 2nd of December. Further note that J.T. Basson, a former DA councillor, and John Woods are charged with the murder of Chetwell Rogers, who is selling fruit and veg for a living. Also note that according to the NPA, Rogers was shot at the back and he and another man were outside the farm when the shooting took place. Therefore, send our condolences to the family of the deceased and call on the police and the NPA to leave no stone unturned in getting justice for Rogers. I so move. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, uh, Gillian. Um, is, is there any, any objection to this motion? None. Uh, the motion is therefore agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Um, Honorable Detroit. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I move on behalf of the Freedom Front Plus without notice that the House, that the House notes ESCOM and transport cable theft is escalating. Notes that towns like Koster, Rustenburg, Ventersdorp, and De Jabotla where cable theft takes place on a weekly basis, can't afford not having electricity since load shedding is already taking its toll on the people. Notes that these thieves are not only stealing lives and livelihoods of communities, but is taking part in the destruction and theft of critical infrastructure. Notes that law enforcement agencies must be enabled through joint operations by SAPS and the SANDF that can act as false multipliers to clamp down on these acts of infrastructure destruction. I so move. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, Detroit. Any objection to the motion? No, the motion is therefore agreed to 
in terms of section 65 of the constitution. Honorable Ndongeni. Honorable Ndongeni. Thank you, Chair. I hereby move without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that the House notes that the South African Sevens rugby team stretched their impressive winning run to 24 matches on their way to the ninth overall title success in Dubai. Further note that they achieved a refit of the three Dubai tournament wins in a row. Also note that this is the fourth successful HABC World, World Rugby Seven Series tournament crown. After bringing home two gold medals from their Canadian trip in September, therefore send our congratulations to Captain Sibuwe Coach Nell Powell, and their team for making South Africa proud with their achievement. I so move. Thank you, sir. Any objection to the motion? None. Thank you very much. The motion is therefore agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable Shaikh. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, I move without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that this House note with concern the escalating violent crimes against women and children in the Western Cape. There is no day that passes by in this province without media reports about gruesome murders of innocent and vulnerable people, especially women and children. It is our belief as the African National Congress that glaring poor relationships between the Western Cape law enforcement agencies and the South African police service undermines the state capacity in combating these violent crimes. We therefore call for the high-level intervention by the Minister of Police, Honorable Beki Kele, to get back to the drawing board in order to ensure a coordinated and seamless approach in policing in the Western Cape province. I so move. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, thank, you, thank you very much. An objection to the motion? No, Chairperson, I rise on point of order, please. Yes. Chairperson, I just want to know whether I have the wrong order paper. Sorry. Uh, I would like to confirm whether I have... You can just remove the mask. I want to confirm whether I have the correct order paper, because the order paper that was given out indicated on the order of the day a motion. That was the motion on the three days for the Division of Revenue Bill. And then orders of the day, one is the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill, and second, Local Government Municipal Systems Act. Nothing about motions. I just want to know how is other, all the other parties prepared for motions and not us. Uh, this is the order group for today. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Chief, do you want to respond to that? Do you want to respond to that? Was provision made for motions? This, this, this is in the besides the motions this is, mentioned this is by in the middle of the member. motions, Chair. The Whipari will deal with their matters at the relevant platform. I think we should conclude the motions that have been underway now. No, thank you very much. We will therefore uh, proceed. Um, uh, 
The, the next motion. Let's look at the, the motion by Honor uh, Is there no objection? There's an objection. No. The motion may, may therefore not be proceeded with and will become a, a, a notice of a, of a, of a motion. Uh, the next uh, motion comes from Honorable uh, Lucas. Honorable Lucas. Abby, thank you very much, Honorable. I rise on a motion without notice on behalf of the African nation. Of it's, it's, uh, we, we have a problem with the system, honorable but members. So if you system. speak with your mask on, okay, uh, you really can't be heard properly. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I rise on behalf of the African National Congress to request this house to adopt the motion of condolences for the passing of our icon, freedom fighter and poet, Lindiwe Mabuza, the former High Commissioner to the United Kingdom. I so move. There's a motion from Honorable Lucas. Uh, any objection to the motion? No objection. No. Motion agreed to in terms of section 65 of the Constitution. The next motion comes from Honorable Mletsane. Honorable Mletsane? Hopefully, this is the last motion. No, yeah. Honorable Bletane. I'll come back to you. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Please proceed. Which is the last? Thank you, Chair. I rise on behalf of the economic freedom fighters that the council should note, should note the Municipal Finance Management Act of 2003 defines fruitless and wasteful expenditure as expenditure that was made in vain and would have been avoided had reasonable care been exercised. Further, the House should note, most of South, African, South Africa's municipalities are in financial rain. The levels of fruitless and wasteful expenditure have increased as year after year. The Auditor General expo uh, exposes how too many municipalities incur in uh, significant amounts of fruitless and wasteful expenditure. And also acknowledge that in Bloemfontein, a taxi rank was built, which cost the Mangao Metro about 400 million. And, and that to date, 10 years later, that rank is not operational. Further acknowledge that the taxi rank stands as a white elephant, as it was declared non-operative after taxi owners who claimed that the taxi rank structure was defective and needed reworking before they could use it. The House should also recognize that millions of rents of taxpayers' money was wasted on a structure which is currently standing unused and to date, no one has been held accountable on issues surrounding the structure of this taxi rank, from the construction company to government officials. We therefore call on the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs to put measures in place which avoid fruitless and wasteful expenditure 
as we cannot afford to lose money because of, of neglect, inefficiencies, and poor decision making. I so move. Thank you, thank you very much. Honorable uh, Mletsan, any, any objection to the motion? None. The motion, or oh, there's an objection. Uh, objection, it's, uh, it's, it's a debate. There why. being a, <laughs> oh, you are an, an, an objection to the, to the, to the motion. Uh, the motion may not be proceeded with and will become a notice of, uh, of, of a motion. Thank you very much. Uh, we will now proceed to a, to a motion in the name of the chief. Just, just a, a motion without notice. I will wish that this house knows with profound sadness, Chairperson and a great sense of loss, the death of former deputy minister and presidential councillor, Ibrahim Ibrahim, who will be laid to rest today. Feda knows that Mr. Ibrahim Ibrahim, who was affectionately known as Comrade Ibi, played a formidable role in our fight for liberation and in the service of our nation in various capacities, where he made indelible contribution, not only to reaffirm the democratic ideals espoused by long-time allies, such as Nelson Mandela, Walter Sisulu, and many more who spent years in Robben Island for the stance that they took to champion, to, to, to champion our fight for freedom, justice, equality, and democracy in South Africa, and take this opportunity to send its profound sadness to the Ibrahim family, especially his wife, Mayor Shannon Ibrahim, and their children, comrades, and friends. I so moved. An objection to the motion? None. Motion, therefore, agreed to uh, in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Thank you very much, uh, honorable members. We will now proceed to the first order of the day. Right, where is that? To the motion on, on the order paper, printed in the name of the Chief Whip. Chief Whip. Thanks, Chair. I move that the motion on the other paper be accepted by the House. Thanks. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, 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 We will then proceed to uh, deal with the, the motion as, 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 as in, 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 in indicated. Um, are there provinces wishing to, to speak on the motion? Any province wishing to make a declaration on the motion? None. Uh, we now to pro proceed to voting on the motion, and I shall put the question, and the question is that the motion be, be agreed to. 
uh, uh, are now calling the provinces to cast the, 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 their votes. And when called upon, heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, uh, or abstain. Abstain. Uh, we will proceed uh, in an alphabetical order. We'll start with the Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape. On the motion of the, the chief. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, Eastern Cape support the motion. Eastern Cape in, votes in favor. We'll then move to the Free State. Free State. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson of the Council. Free State supports the motion. Uh, supports the motion. We'll then move on to Gauteng. Thanks very much, Chair. Gauteng supported the motion. Gauteng supports the motion. Wazuru Natal. Thank you very much. Next province is Limpopo. Limpopo supports the motion, Chairperson. Limpopo supports the motion. Pumalanga. Pumalanga supports the motion. Pumalanga supports the motion. Uh, Northern Cape. Northern Cape. Northern Cape, question mark. Northwest. Northwest support the motion. Northwest support the motion. Northwest supports the motion. Uh, Western Cape. Western Cape supports. Western Cape supports the motion. So. Honorable Bartlett and myself. Uh, yeah, I can, I can, I can ask again. <laughs> Northern Cape. Yes, Northern Cape supports the motion. Northern Cape, Cape supports the motion. Uh, uh, thank you very much. So all provinces supports the the motion. Having uh, close the, the the voting, the results are as follows. Um, all, all, all provinces supported the motion, uh, they voted in favor, therefore the, the motions are agreed to in terms of section 65 of the constitution. Thank you very much. We will now proceed to the first order of the day. Uh, 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 Consideration of Division of Revenue Amendment Bill uh, and Report of Select Committee on Appropriations thereon. Uh, I then call on the uh, uh, Honorable Dima Tangu, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Appropriations, to open the debate. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson and Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Chief Whip, Honorable Minister and Deputy Ministers that are on the platform. I know for a fact Minister of Finance is on the platform. Honorable Members, 
permanent and special delegates, MECs present on the platform, fellow South Africans, Luchan. Honorable Chairperson, in the first two lines of the play, Richard III, William Shakespeare writes, and I quote, now is the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by this son of York and all the clouds that louds upon our house in the deep bosom of the ocean buried, close quote. With these lines, Honorable Chairperson, Shakespeare expressed the idea that we have reached the depth of our unhappiness and that better times are ahead. These words resonate with me as I introduce this division of revenue amendment Bill B-19 of 2021. Our country and the world are gripped by the fear and anxiety caused by the coronavirus pandemic and recently the Omicron variant. In times like these, it is easy to talk ourselves into a state of depression. While talking negatively about our country's pros uh, prospects of economic reconstruction and recovery is the favorite hobby of the honorable members from some of the political parties in this house. It is not an opinion for those of us who are patriotic South Africans. Ours is to roll up our sleeves and work hard to rebuild from the depth of our despair. Honorable Chairperson and members, I'm honored to table before this August House the report on behalf of the Select Committee on Appropriations. The committee anonymously adopted the report while the DA, EFF plus, uh, FF plus and EFF rejected the report. The Minister of Finance tabled the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill in Parliament on the 11th of November 2021 on the occasion of the uh, 2021 medium-term budget policy statement. The bill was tabled, tabled in terms of the Section 12, Subsection 4 of the Money Bills and Related Matters Act Number no. 9 of 2009. The Act requires the Minister of Finance to table a Division of Revenue Amendment Bill with a revised fiscal framework if the budget adjustment Effect, effects changes to the Division of Revenue Act for the relevant year. Subsequently, Honorable Chair, the bill was referred to the National Council of Provinces and to the committee on the 30th of November, 2021. The committee received a briefing from National Treasury on the bill on the 25th of November, 2021. Provinces were invited to this meeting and were briefed individually by permanent delegates on the 1st of December, 2021, from this house. Negotiating mandates were submitted and considered on the 2nd of December, and final mandates on the 3rd of December, 2021. In order to facilitate effective public participation, in line with Section 72 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa. The committee published an advert in 11 official languages 
and written submissions were only received from the Congress of South African Trade Unions. In accordance with section 214 subsection two of the constitution of the Republic and section 10 uh, subsection four of the Intergovernmental Inter Fiscal Relations Act number 97 of 1997, the committee consulted with the FFC, SALGA and PBO. Honorable Chairperson, the committee welcomes an additional amount of 65.12 billion rands earmarked for the upward adjustment to both the national and provincial equitable share for the current financial year. However, the committee remains concerned whether adequate mechanisms are put in place for, for funds to be spent for the intended purpose. Honorable Chairperson, and honorable members, government departments and entities must take into consideration the existing capabilities of the officials to spend additional funds when allocations are made. The situation where there is poor planning and lack of capacity to improve, to implement uh, projects result in poor spending and necessary rollover and deviations. This can no longer be tolerated. I wish to call on all our ministers to ensure that the implementation of consequence management is fast-tracked and where necessary, law enforcement agencies are brought on board to recover any financial losses to the state. The committee welcomes the increased allocations for local government over the medium term period, the national treasury and COCTA, uh, <clears throat> together with provincial departments and SALGA need to work together to ensure that suitably qualified and experienced individuals are appointed to improve financial management and service delivery capacity in all municipalities. The National Treasury and COCTA, together with their provincial counterparts, should ensure that concerns raised by SALGA around the, around the corrections, the correctness of assumptions about collection of own revenue contained in the 1998 local government white paper are addressed urgently. The Department of COCTA needs to work with SALGA to fast track the implementation of the resolution around unfunded mandates, which was taken during the local government budget Lukota in December 2020, and further ensure that funds follows functions. Honorable Chairperson, the provincial departments of COCTA and provincial treasuries should work with SALGA to ensure that proper, proper interventions and system to monitor service delivery in local government are implemented to address the issues around water losses and electricity challenges. The committee is of the view that the emissions of both finance and cooperative governance have to work with SALGA, with SALGA to end 
to enforce consequence management in relation to negative performance reports, failure to submit financial statements, and fruitless and wasteful expenditure amongst other challenges. The National Treasury should be proactive in ascertaining which provinces will not spend their housing budgets to ensure that appropriate remedial actions are taken and avoid last minute gazettes, fruitless and wasteful expenditures and fiscal dumping towards the end of the financial year. The National Treasury and COCTA should ensure that challenges around delays and poor contracting, which led, for, for instance, to the rollover amount of 582 million rands for the Val River Pollution Remediation Project in Mfuleni local municipality, are addressed and the work verification process is completed. The Department of COCTA together with its uh, provincial uh, counterparts, should fast track the implementation of the district development model to ensure, systems, to ensure systems are in place for more integrated delivery of service and ensure sufficient capacity by driving coordination and alignment of processes. The national and provincial departments of uh, basic education must ensure that the lack of parity between provinces regarding the stipend paid to the ECD workers or uh, 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 professionals is urgently addressed. The National uh, Treasury and the Department of Transport, together with their provincial counterparts, should make sure that allocations earmarked for the Provincial Road Maintenance Grant are utilized effectively to address the poor state of provincial roads. The quality of material used, workmanship and procurement processes for such projects need to improve to realize value for money. With regard to hospital infrastructure maintenance, Honorable Chairperson, the National Treasury and to the Department of Health, together with their provincial counterparts, should ensure that more resources are earmarked to deal with the current poor state of some hospitals infra hospital infrastructure, which requires proper maintenance in various provinces, especially given the advent of COVID-19 pandemic. The National Treasury and the Department of Basic Education should ensure that the rollover amount of uh, 210 million rands for the school infrastructure backlog grant to complete projects that are part of the sanitation appropriate for education initiative is properly spent to expedite the replacement and removal of inappropriate and unsuitable sanitation in certain provinces. The committee believe, believes that the pace at which this initiative is implemented is unacceptably slow, given that this program started in 2010. The department should expand the program to include the eradication of asbestos schools in certain provinces. In these are not if these 
are not uh, already included. Those must be included. Honorable Chairperson, we call on the Minister of Finance and the Public Service Administration together with their provincial counterparts to ensure the effective implementation of the wage agreement of the PSCBC for the 2021-22 financial year. This should bring the much needed certainty and stability in the public service to ensure uninterrupted service delivery to the poor and vulnerable. Furthermore, Honorable Chairperson, government needs to ensure that funded vacant posts are filled urgently. The headcount cards for the South African police services and teachers need to be re uh, reversed in order to protect frontline service delivery. The committee recommends that the headcount cards uh, should happen at the manage, manage, management level of each department as opposed to the, to the levels at which services are being delivered. Government needs to ensure that concrete steps are taken to monitor the impact of the well-funded employment creation programs, such as the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative to achieve value for money and avoid mistakes that might have occurred in similar programs in the past. Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, as I conclude, I wish to thank all committee members, provincial committee members, the MECs who availed themselves, committee stakeholders, the media, the general public, which made written and oral submissions to the committee, as well as the committee support staff. Without these role players, all of them combined, the process would not have been a success. The committee recommends to this August House that the bill be adopted without amendments. Indeed, Honorable Chairperson, as I, as I conclude, through unity and focus on the implementation of our recommendations, we shall rise from the winter of our discontent to the glorious summer of hope and problems. And Togoze. Thank you very much, Togoze. Honorable Ryder. Please Thank you, proceed. Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair, let's face it, there isn't a lot to debate today. The fact is that the finance minister has no wiggle room. Squeezed between failing economic policy, years of corruption and mismanagement, and an out-of-control debt, out debt spiral, his predecessor had the pandemic thrown on top of him to really test his mettle. And then the July insurrection came along to really twist the proverbial knife. In an act of self-preservation, Mr. Mboweni bowed out and handed an empty vault to Mr. Gorongwana. At least I think he did. 
This new minister is yet to present himself to our committee four months later. So I'm not sure if he is really at the helm or not. Imagine a whole minister not appearing before a committee to present the adjustment budget or discuss the fiscal policy framework. Unprecedented. But here we are today to discuss the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill, which is the tweaking of the allocations to provinces and to, gov and to local government. Frankly, there's not much to discuss other than lost opportunities, missing opportunities. So the missing minister, once accused of missing millions, is now missing opportunities. The biggest and most obvious point is to remark that government has backed down on the firm stance on the public wage bill that they once had. And funds now need to be given to provinces to cover the increased expenditure. It would be churlish to say, I told you so. So I'll rather say, Mr. Mania told you so. Yes, go back to the speeches here nine months ago and you will hear the warnings. What we are seeing in this bill is some acknowledgement of the pressure that local government is under, with a gradual move being signaled to increase the local government share of the national fiscus from the hopelessly inadequate 9% up to 9.6% in the medium term. It's a welcome sign, but it remains inadequate, noting the increasing unfunded mandates and the mandate creep in an environment where the ability of most municipalities to collect revenue is under severe pressure from the economic fallout caused by the pandemic and our government's reaction to it. Yes, the almost 50% unemployment rate that was announced last week, 46.6% on the expanded definition, has a massive impact on the ability of our residents to pay their rates and taxes, to pay for electricity, water, and refuse collection. If you think local government has struggled to date, just wait. Omicron just said, here, hold my beer. The biggest alarm in local government, though, is the fact that while there is seemingly no problem in spending the money on salaries, the lack of capacity of municipalities to implement financial controls and reporting is a consistent comment from the Auditor General, from National Treasury, and from Selga itself. The fact that years after the deadline for the implementation of MSCOA, there are municipalities that just don't have the ability to implement its principles is an abhorrent abuse of ratepayers' money when there is, without fail, someone drawing the salary of the chief financial officer and the accounting officer or municipal manager. The fact that annual financial reporting is so dismal, even with the exorbitant amounts that are spent on consultants, is a clear sign that local government is failing. But that's not entirely true, is it? No, everywhere that the Democratic Alliance is in local government, MSCOA is implemented. Financial reporting is done on time and accurately, and it is usually rewarded with an unqualified or a clean audit. So local government is not the problem. The ANC is the problem. Casting the eye to provincial funding, some of the signals are truly interesting. Funding moved from the failing NHI project to mental health and oncology frontlines is most welcome. The movement of funds in the provincial education budget away from the sanitation line item is of huge concern. This seems to be an area that this government cannot get right. 
How much longer will our children be forced to use unsanitary and unsafe pit latrines, long drops, and bucket toilets? Come on, is this how we expect our people to live? A further concerning signal affecting both the provincial and local government spheres is a trend affecting grant funding. It seems that national government departments are seeking to entrench their hold on the public purse strings by shifting direct grants to indirect grants, ensuring that they retain control of the funds and thereby reducing the effective local government share of the fiscus below the 9% that is published. The trend has begun to be more prevalent in the water and sanitation and health departments and has now reared its ugly head in the neighborhood development grant under the control of Treasury and the Presidency. Asked for comment, Treasury reluctantly admitted that the trend is not encouraged by them as it undermines the spirit of the spheres of government and it centralizes control. Perhaps it's time for Treasury to raise their own voices. But Mr. Chair, my biggest gripe with the Dora Bill is the process that has been followed this year to bring us to this point. Many provinces voiced their disappointment at the rush job done to push the legislation through, giving scarcely any time for public participation. Once again, in spite of the legislation, one province, Limpopo, didn't bother to submit a final mandate for the committee for consideration. They sent a letter saying that they were too busy with other things. The Northwest province ran a highly flawed process with a reluctance to hold a briefing, followed by a legislature sitting that broke more rules than it actually adhered to. So where are the missed opportunities that I spoke about? Well, the half-hearted increased allocation to local government is the first. The absolute absence of any funding for the much vaunted infrastructure-led economic recovery is the next. The failed reduction in the public wage bill is probably a third. The absence of a sound plan for economic development or recovery at provincial and local level, level can be number four. Perhaps number five should be a solution on e-tolls. Instead of the loose cannon, Mr. Fakili Mbalula, who has chosen to make an early pronouncement of what will be in the February budget speech, dumping the financial solution on the finance minister by admitting that Treasury is yet to find an alternative funding model. Yes, Again, conclude, unprecedented. Honorable Red, as you conclude. Thank you, Chair. Time is almost up. And yes, Minister, the mischance to show that we finally have a minister with a plan that carries the support of the president and the cabinet. For we have had promises in the State of the Nation address that do not find their way into the budget or into the division of revenue. We've had budget speeches that are still born. Your time is cabinet. up. I've got 20 seconds on my clock, Chair. Please conclude. Thank you. We have had budget speeches that are still born as cabinet enforces the will of the African National Congress. We have yet to see one cohesive, universally accepted implementation plan that will give us hope that our country is on track to recover from the wounds inflicted by your divided party. In response to the Honorable Matlangu's uh, quote from Shakespeare, I'll quote my father's favorite line from The Merchant of Venice. All that glisters your, is not gold. Your, Thank you, Chair. Time is up. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. The next speaker is Honorable P. V. Mkachwa. 
the Ministry of Finance and Economic Development and Tourism in Bumala. Honorable Mkachwa. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Let me start by greeting your good self and the Deputy Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces, the Chief Whip of the National Council of Provinces, Honorable Members and Delegates from Provinces. Chairperson, we enter this debate mindful of the fact that on November the 1st of 2021, the South African electorates profusely pronounced themselves on the leadership of their choice as far as constitution of local government is concerned. Through the electoral engagement under the stewardship of the Independent Electoral Commission, the voice echoed by the voters gave sufficient expression to the central thesis of the Freedom Charter that the people shall govern. And in this context, the people reaffirmed what I always refer to as a revolutionary idea that ours is a robust and gradually maturing democracy with a government which is an instrument for popular will, a government of, by, and for the people. However, we must not be oblivious of the objective reality that these elections were firmly characterized by the majority of eligible voters who stayed away from the polls which serves as an existential threat to our democracy. However, through our educational programs and direct physical engagements with the society we serve, we will double our efforts to guarantee a sufficient and fundamental understanding of the historical significance of voting, a right for which most people sacrifice their lives. We will do so to play homage to the heroes and heroines of our struggle for liberation who relentlessly fought for universal suffrage. Chairperson, the latest data suggests that the provincial economy is expanding on a backdrop of the disastrous situation imposed by COVID-19. The second quarter 2021 GDP data released by States SA illustrates that the province registered four consecutive quarters of growth since the sudden drop in economic activities in the same quarter last year. Although it is too early to make a conclusion on the economic growth prospects, our efforts are geared towards recovery and refocusing our interventions to, to reignite the desired growth in the key industries such as tourism, with a leap of domestic travel, as well as agriculture. Chairperson, one of the encouraging stories of this period is that the informal sector, which employs a quarter of Malangas employed people, is showing good signs of recovery from the current challenges. However, we are not oblivious to the remnants of COVID-19 pandemic, the misplaced travel bans, and the July unrest in parts of Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal, which could change our economic prospects in the next reporting period. We are closely monitoring the performance of our key industry and working very hard in collaboration with various stakeholders to accelerate the conclusion of sector agreements that will ensure the full implementation of the provincial economic recovery plan. House Chairperson, the national and provincial fiscals has for some time been ac acutely constrained, thus limiting our ability to expand service delivery to the desired levels. The pandemic has worsened the fiscals and further 
reduced allocations to provinces. Despite all this, the National Treasury should be commended for sticking to the distributive nature of the revenue sharing, especially when the provinces are confronted with substantial budget pressures. The 1.7 billion addition to the equitable share of the province has provided some relief and assurance and ensured continuity of critical programs primarily on the employment initiatives targeting young people and healthcare interventions. We also welcome additional resources allocated in the Division of Revenue Bill to assist provinces to implement the wage agreement for 2021-2022. The province has allocated the funding towards high pressure funds, and we will, we will closely monitor the expenditure in the rest of the votes until the end of the financial year. We are aware of the impact of the current economic environment and the pandemic to employment prospects of women and young people in our province. Therefore, the allocation of 549 million funds towards the continuing implementation of the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative in the province is most welcome. This funding will contribute to ameliorating the current unemployment situation and also support our efforts to respond to the impact of the pandemic on livelihoods and to protect existing jobs in vulnerable sectors of that the Division of Revenue Bill has reaffirmed our unwavering commitment to direct the limited resources towards programs that are aimed to save lives threatened by the fourth wave of the coronavirus to, the, to protect the economy that is heavily impacted by the necessary measures in the, in the circumstances. Our urgent task to, is to restore the economy to its pre-COVID-19 rates and build it from there to the desired levels, which is necessary to alter the historical fault lines of poverty and unemployment. We will Chairperson, do so by optimizing the limited resources and placing greater emphasis on implementing the Provincial Economic Recovery Plan. Bumalanga province supports the division of revenue bill as presented. I thank you very much, Chair. Thank, thank you very much. Um, we'll then move on to Honorable Mletsane. Honorable Mletsane. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Greetings to all honorable members. Uh, the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill before Council makes provision for budgetary allocations to provincial and local government and for the medium-term budget policy statement, which was tabled by the Finance Minister in November 2021. Chairperson, in its current form, the Division of Revenue Bill allocates money raised at the national level through taxes between the three spheres of government in a manner which does not speak to the economical needs of our society. It is guided by the failed and incompetent economic policies of the ruling party, which have characterized its 27-year rule and as a result, South Africa currently stands in economic shambles. 
The Division of Revenue Bill is tabled at the backdrop of a society which is experiencing an unemployment crisis as our unemployment rate continues to rise. Recent statistics demonstrate that South Africa's unemployment rate has increased and hit a record high from 34.4% in the second quarter of 2021 to 34.9% in the third quarter. This has been the highest official unemployment rate which has ever been recorded since the start of the quarterly labor force survey in 2008. In addition, South African inequalities continue to grow and have been laid bare by the COVID-19 period. As differences between those living in the urban, rural township areas have been highlighted by the pandemic. For local government, under the leadership of the ruling party, is characterized by the lack of political will and state capacity. With the majority of our local municipalities operating without money and on the brink of collapse as they fail to provide for basic goods and services to our communities. As a result, one finds that it is only in municipalities such as metros and few white owned areas which are able to collect enough revenue to deliver services to their communities. Throughout the country, affluent urban areas such as Santin outpace their township and rural counterparts in various developmental aspects, whether it, it be in relation to economic development, service delivery, education, transport or provision of basic services. As resources and basic services continue to be allocated in the city center in a high rate paying suburbs. This continues to occur despite extensive discussions and promises around equality, which have been made by the ruling party. Instead, one finds that the allocation of revenue raised nationally continues to be allocated according to what apartheid imagined South Africa to be, a society where black people, workers and the poor in the townships live with poor services whilst the privileged live in affluent suburbs. The EFF is the only party since its inception been consistent in its call to transform the economy. So we may see economic, so we may see the economic emancipation in our lifetime. For our vision is for black people to reclaim public spaces and build in areas which will see black people fully participate in the economy, living alongside one another both rich and poor. We stand for policies which stimulate the economy, tackle corruption with local government, create jobs for the masses, and rebuilding of failing state-owned enterprises. Chairperson, 
the current amendment bill in its current form only deals with the changes affected by the revised fiscal framework and adjusted budget. The additional allocation of budget facility for infrastructure funding, additional allocation for wage agreement and health grant. The reality is that we can no longer work with the current division of revenue framework as it only perpetuates apartheid spatial planning. We reiterate the call that we, that we made as EFF in the past of putting forward practical, believable, and implementable proposals on how we should change the approach to the division of revenue bill. The EFF has been, has been clear in its stance of the model used to distribute the allocation, which needs to be changed for the additional adjustment of grants is not a solution to, to the challenges faced by the local government. For after years of failed economic policies, the time has come for an approach which shall prioritize the allocation of resources to local government, to build state capacity and localize the economy. For we cannot continue to allocate less than 11% of the revenue raised nationally to local government and then expect the transformation to transform the society and do away with the past. The division of revenue is one of the legislative instruments that should be used to change our society and put municipalities at the forefront of transformation of society. We call upon government to do away with austerity budget, which do not stimulate the economy and do not provide solutions to the unemployment challenge faced. The EFF will not be used to rubber stamp this piece of legislation. The EFF reject this bill. Thank you very much. Uh, the next speaker is Honorable Labuskakna. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Minister, Honorable Members, our task today is to debate the Division of Revenue Bill, which on its own may have a few aspects that could be seen as a step in the right direction, a move of funds from away from the NHI into other frontline health services. Provinces can now procure directly for the provisions of mental health and oncology services and funding to employ social workers and funding to supplement early child development related workers' income, all are seen as positives. However, the, the so-called overall increased appropriation to provinces is not something to get excited about, as it is compensating for government backing down on the wage bill instead of restructuring the budget away from the manager, managerial millionaire salaries towards service delivery infrastructure and social support to the poor. A big concern is the rollover to complete projects under sanitation appropriation for education initiative. Uh, 
What is even more concerning is the funding reprioritized to basic education to fund a shortfall in the provision of workbooks. Poor planning on fundamentals should not be fixed in this way. 19 million rand was reprioritized to an indirect grant to provide for municipalities facing implementing challenges, for example, the funds to manage the Fall River Pollution Project. A nightmare discussed many times in this council, a beacon of political will, um, of no political will or leadership and very little concern for the quality of life for people living in and around that area. The current state of municipalities will not be fixed by redirecting funds from direct grants into indirect grants without a framework of accountability and proper financial reporting with financial consequences. If we take this amendment bill into context of the original Division of Revenue and Appropriations Bill, it is clear that this bill cannot fix the policies and frameworks that allow us to spend increasingly more money servicing debt and bailouts to state-owned enterprises. Honorable Chair, state capture, cadre deployment, corruption and poor planning is in the lead up to the COVID-19 pandemic put us in a precarious financial position. This amendment bill will not fix that. In the, it is time that the ANC government take a note, not from the book of the liberal parties, but from a socialist communist government with a mixed economy, where the state played a dominant role in the economy from Vietnam. James Galt wrote in The Diplomat in February 2021, I quote, Vietnam has weathered the COVID-19 crisis better than most nations. The spread of the virus has been man managed well. And despite turmoil in global markets, the economy grown by around 3% in 2020, while around about $19 billion trade surplus. Investment inflows have likewise remained strong, leaving the country well positioned for post-COVID pandemic recovery. How is it that Vietnam has fa fared so well? The short answer is that the economy has undergone big structural changes in recent decades, increasing private investment and trade engines of growth, at the heart of which lies dramatic changes in the relationship between the state and the economy. Close quote. Honorable Chair, the main restructuring happened in the state-owned enterprises. We need a season of restructuring. The nation is also aware of this and already chose that direction during the latest local government elections. South Africa needs no more superficial amendments, but real economic policies and frameworks to secure sustainable water, transport and infrastructure development. We need to ensure energy for growth. I still have 50 seconds for growth by allowing municipalities to create their own power or buy from independent producers. Honorable Chair, South Africa needs real reform. We need to get things done. I thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Honorable John uh, Pisi from Gauteng. Thank you very much. Honorable Mbisi. Thank you, Honorable Chair. And, uh, Greetings to the deputy chairperson of the NCOP and greetings to the minister, all the honorable members, the special delegate and permanent delegates to the NCOP, representatives from SALGA, 
and fellow South Africans. Chairperson, can I switch off my camera so that my, 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 my internet remains stable? Can I do that, Chair? Please. Thank you very much. Honorable Chairperson, I am honored to debate before this house the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill 2021 on behalf of the Gauteng Province. Allow me to quote uh, Sun Tzu, who is regarded as one of the greatest strategists and the philosopher who, po who possessed timeless wisdom when he said, and I quote, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat, close quote. Honorable Chair, these words, these words of unity, renewal, and the radical economic transformation have become synonymous with the kind of uh, character the ANC and its alliance partners of today aspire to. This can be recognized through an unpleasant observation of themes, speeches, and resolutions of gatherings, such as the national conferences, the celebrations of the January 8, COSATU national congresses, the SACP uh, special and national congresses. These expressions are an indication of the outcome these progressive forces wish to attain in, the, in relation to both their respective standing as well as the impact they aspire to South African society. Honorable Chairperson, it is, it is against this background that I tabled the debate on the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill, which provides strategy and tactics to overcome the economic difficulties. In the quest to ensure, in the quest to ensuring that uh, the budget is managed within clear, credible and predictable li limits for fiscal policy, the ANC-led government is committed towards ensuring that spending remains within the expenditure limits as targeted within its overall fiscal consolidation strategy and thus in year adjustment to allocations are confined to one, unforeseen and unavoidable expenditure. Two, appropriation of funds already announced during the tabling of the annual budget but not allocated. Three, the shifting of funds between and within votes where where a function is transferred. The utilization of savings and the roll and rollover of the unspent funds from the proceedings of the financial year. This creates a problem. To this, to this effect, additional funding made available through divisions of revenue amendment bill is mainly to, con to account on the increased costs associated, associated with the implementation of the 2021 public, public service wage agreement and the implementation of the second phase of the presidential youth employment initiative. Honorable Chairperson, I am not necessarily advocating for wage bill to reach the government's fiscal ceiling. However, it is important to note that the wage growth within the government's fiscal, the government's fiscal ceiling can be generated, can, can generate demand through growth and productive growth, and hence a, create, hence a create and vicious cycle for ourselves. Sadly, insufficient 
insufficient wage growth and more broadly, the, the polarization of the income distribution have contributed to the global economic crisis. In order, for, in order to realize the aforesaid uh, issues, Chairperson, the, the adjusted budget uh, proposed additional funds for the national and provincial spheres of government's equitable share of the national of the of nationally raised revenue of 2021-22 financial year. The national government received an additional 43.9 billion and the provincial government receives an additional 21.1 billion for 2021. The additions to the national and provincial equitable share will cater for the increased cost associated with the implementation of the 2021 public service wage bill and the implementation of the second phase of the presidential youth initiative. The increased allocation to the national sphere will also fund the reinstatement of the special COVID-19 social relief uh, of distress grant until March, 2022. The purchasing of vaccines and the support of the DENEL to ensure that it meets its repayment obligation that will also help Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, in an endeavor to ensure that the budget is balanced and with fiscal envelope, additions to the reductions were effected on the conditional grants. However, it needs to be clearly borne in, in our minds that grants that provide relief the vulnerable sector of our society were spared the cut, thereby ensuring social safety nets for the poorest of the poor. This is, to this extent, Chairperson, additions to the direct provincial grants transfer an amount of 588 million and the reduction of 10 million. The net, the net effect of the additional 578.65 million to the direct provincial conditional grants transfer for the current financial year. Chairperson, although the reduction outweighs the additions, the following additions are noteworthy. 165, 167.42 million is added to the HIV and TB, malaria and community outreach grants to allow provinces to, pro to procure directly for the provision of mental health and oncology services. 243 uh, million is added to the statutory human resource training and development grants as part of the statutory obligation to place medical intents upon the completion of their studies. To safeguard the dignity of a black child, 113 million is added to the school infrastructure backlog grants to complete the projects that are of a sanitation appropriation for education initiative. Honorable Chairperson, with regard to the local government con conditional grants, proposed additions amount of 1.5 billion and the total reduction of 1.34 billion for 2021-22 financial year. We propose, Chairperson, we propose the, tot the, the, tot the, the adjustment, therefore, to result in a net addition of 164 million to the local government conditional uh, grants transfer for 2021-22 uh, financial year. Despite the reduction of the local government conditional grants, the following additions, Honorable Chair, for funding should be noted. 
751 million is added to the Direct Neighborhood Development Partnership Grant. 81 million is added to the Direct Regional Bulk Infrastructure Allocation of the George Local Municipality. As you move towards closing, Honorable yes. Peace. Thank you, Chair. The additional 90 million was reprioritized to the Direct Neighborhood Development Partnership Grant. In conclusion, Chair, the Gauteng Province supported the Division of uh, the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill as, to pro as it promotes the alignment of the multi-year planning, prioritization, and goal-setting functions of government by organizing and structuring the budget uh, allocations in a way uh, in the way that corresponds readily with the national objectives. Honorable Chair, I thank you, and I am convinced. I am I am convinced. Even the pseudo uh, Marxist-Leninist parties will agree with me that the redistribution ethos of this adjusted budget are beyond reproach. I thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Mbisi. The next speaker is Honorable uh, R. Pillay, uh, MEC for Economic Development in Guazulu Natal. Honorable yeah. Pillay. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, Honorable Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces, the Deputy Chairperson, Honorable Members and Delegates to the NCOP, warm greetings from KwaZulu-Natal. We are uh, pleased on behalf of KwaZulu-Natal to be afforded this opportunity to stand before this August House on this very important and critical debate. First and foremost, Honorable Chairperson, allow me to premise my brief input by joining millions of South Africans in paying tribute to the many health workers who continue to stand on the front line, facing wave after wave as we battle COVID-19 and its variants. We know and understand what this pandemic continues to do to the public purse. And as we stand here today, we are very alive to the critical nature of the Division of Revenue Bill and what it can achieve in the medium term. We stand at the crossroads of South Africans today, having been played by multiple adverse circumstances that include not only the COVID pandemic, but gender-based violence, the recent unrest, and endemic socioeconomic challenges. Honorable Chairperson, we are more determined than ever to work even harder to reverse detrimental socioeconomic injustices that continue to beset us. The people of KwaZulu-Natal and the people of our country rank among some of the most patriotic and resilient in the world in that we continue to look for creative ways to making our country work despite everything that might not be going for it at the moment. We are a resilient people and we have the history to back that assertion. <coughs> Honorable Chairperson, in KwaZulu-Natal, we've tried to rise under a message of hashtag KZN Rising. And in this recent past, we have been pleased to announce and work with the private sector uh, with its Toyota, with their 1.5 billion expansion, whether it was SAPI, whether it was Richards Bay Minerals, Tetra Pak, all of which combined represented a 12 billion rand expansion of their operations. Of course, just a couple of weeks ago, we were able to just about beat the rise of the next wave of COVID with our international intra-Africa trade fair, which in attracted 10,000 delegates over a seven-day period, including 3,000 international 
delegates. But Chair, having been seized with the 2021 Division of Revenue Amendment Bill, which we are debating today, we are cognizant of the huge burden it places on us to find creative and innovative ways of making use of what we have, however little it may be. We are charged with ensuring that whatever savings we make go to the right project of service delivery, cost-effectively and efficiently. This is taking into account that as our tax and revenue base continue to be under pressure due to the multiple, uh, due to multiple factors, which I have mentioned earlier. Today, we are also tabling our adjustments budget in KwaZulu-Natal and the MEC for finance, Numusa Dubin Mube, uh, is in the legislature at, at the moment. Chair, we make a raft of fundamental commitments to assist us to further guard little of what we have in the face of expenditure pressures. These include, but are not limited to monitoring and reviewing all COVID-19 emergency procurements incurred by departments, public entities, and municipalities, ensuring on-budget spending in all departments and public entities through effective in-year monitoring of expenditure, maintaining sound cash management, and maintaining the present favorable cash position, but which remains under pressure. Honorable Chair, the 2021 Division of Revenue Amendment Bill provides for changes in the provincial allocations, changes to local government allocations, and changes to gazetted conditional grant frameworks and allocations. These changes are prescribed in terms of Section 30 sub 2 of the PFMA and provide specifically for A, adjustments required due to significant and unforeseeable economic and financial events affecting the fiscal targets set by the annual budget, B, unforeseeable and unavoidable expenditure recommended by the national executive or any committee of cabinet members to whom this task has been assigned, C, any expenditure in terms of section 16, which relates to the use of funds in emergency situations, D, money to be appropriated for expenditure already announced by the minister during the tabling of the annual budget, and E, the shifting of funds between and within votes or to follow the transfer of functions in terms of section 42. And finally, F, the utilization of savings under a main division of a vote for the defrayment of excess expenditure under another main division of the same vote in terms of section 43, and of course, rollover of unspent funds from the preceding financial year. 2021-22 division of amendable provides in terms of those provisions for the following changes to provincial, provincial equitable share allocations. Firstly, we have additional allocations for wage agreements, which my colleagues have already spoken to, but nationally 14.7 billion was added to provincial allocations in 21-22 to assist provinces to implement the wage agreement as agreed to in the Public Service Coordinated Bargaining Council. The province received 3.032 billion in this regard. While it is certainly going to help, it does not relieve all our pressure. But unlike other colleagues who spoke, Chair, I wish to congratulate the national government on that settlement uh, they stood firm, but negotiations and compromise is the essence of negotiations between employer and employee. Presidential youth employment intervention. In the 2021 budget, a provisional amount of 11 billion was set aside for government to continue its response to address the impact of COVID-19 on unemployment. Applications were received from different sectors and several engagements were held between stakeholders. So the education sector received 6 billion for the employment of education assistance 
at public ordinary schools and general school assistance at public ordinary schools and public special schools. In case of the additional allocation amounts to 1.338 billion. We, Chair, we don't underestimate the impact this will have on our unemployment and for young people in particular. The health sector receives 350 million to employ staff and assistant nurses. Wazulu Natal received 71.615 million toward this objective to meet the additional responsibilities required in respect of the COVID-19 vaccination program. Can I be protected, Chair? Yes, please proceed, Honorable Delay. COVID-19 wards, high care units, amongst others. The social development sector receives... Yeah, we the social development uh, sector can, can we make this uh, uh, plea, Honorable Mpisi there and your team, please make sure that you do not uh, disturb the proceedings. No, um, it's, it's not us, uh, it's not us. Mine is muted. <laughs> you, you want to watch yourself? The, sc the screen says so. No, no, it's not me, Che. I'm sitting in my... Yeah, there's something wrong with your, with, 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 with your team there. Hey, please proceed, Honorable Billy. So, Thank you, Chair. You want to watch himself on TV, busy. Aye, man. One sugar. I guess you get too late to go dining room. I lounge one sugar. Honorable Chair, I think you need to appoint a commission of inquiry into this issue. <laughs> the social development sector receives 120 million for the appointment of social workers to address the backlog of unemployed graduates. Of this amount made available nationally, KwaZulu Natal receives a total of 23.2 million. In total, the province receives an additional provincially equitable share amount of 4.465 billion. Chair, we appreciate this allocation. And as I've explained, almost all this money goes towards creating employment opportunities, but towards a specific need. And that talks to the critical challenges we face as a country. On some changes to conditional grant applications, the province is affected by the following amendments. Nationally, 167 million is converted from the personal services component of the National Health Insurance Indirect Grant to the HIV, TB, Malaria and Community Outreach Grant to allow provinces to procure directly for the provision of mental health and oncology services and provinces, and certainly KZN, is now ready to take over the responsibility for funding and managing of both grants. Honorable Chair, the province receives additional funds of 6.045 million for the mental health care services component of the grant. In addition, the province receives 22.627 million for the human resource training grant for the statutory responsibility of absorbing medical interns after completion of their studies. So in aggregate, 178 million is added to the early childhood development grant from the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative and KZN's share of this is 38.245 million. This funding is added to the ECD grant under the subsidy component and is to address the shortfall from phase one of the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative that sought to provide unemployment risk support to 70,000 early childhood development related workers impacted by COVID-19 lockdown to supplement their income. In addition, 357.1 million was approved in respect of congressional grant rollovers in respect of various grants towards the 2020-21 commitments. With regard to local government allocations, nationally 841 million was made available for the Direct Neighborhood Development Partnership Grant to fund city-led public employment programs. 
90 million will be shifted from the direct to the indirect component of this grant to provide technical assistance to, to poorly capacitated municipalities. And in this regard, Rain Ponyani municipalities direct grant allocation will be adjusted downward by 12.67 million, but we don't believe it's lost forever. And Quadugoza will receive 21.921. As you conclude. Thank you, Chair. The Urban Development Grant is amended to include provision to purchase special vehicles for waste management, and we think this is very important. The Neighborhood Development Partnership Grant removes reference to in built environment plans and includes conditions for the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative. Chair, this is very important because it's opening space for practical application or implementation of social compacts and partnerships at local level. In conclusion, Chair, in today's news, there was a very inspiring story of a relatively young person, Mr. Divuvo Nengonani, who on a one hectare plot on his own is now producing vegetables that supplies major chain stores. But the important thing mm -hmm. was what he said. He said the road to success is not easy or short. I repeat, the road to success is not easy or short. As Provin uh, Chair, on behalf of KwaZulu Natal, we regard the bill as fair based on our priorities. And as KwaZulu Natal, we fully support this bill. I thank you. Thank you very much. The next speaker is Honorable M.L. Mamarekhani. Mamarekhani. Thanks, Honorable Chairperson. The ANC supports the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill as it continues to be pro-poor and redistributive. The ANC remains unwavering in its objective fundamentally change the racialized and an unequal structure of the South African economy and of society. Since 1994, many millions of South Africans have materially benefited from such ANC government-led intervention as those that have improved access to health, education, and housing, and created, created the new economic opportunities. In, in the current phase of our transformation of South Africa, government is committed to accelerate accelerating and consolidating the processes of socioeconomic transformation to ensure that it is able to more effectively touch the lives of those millions of mainly black South Africans who have not yet experienced a better life, which held such promise at the dawn of our freedom in 1994. For more than 20 years, the government's economic policy interventions have moved South Africa decisively towards a more inclusive society, as millions of people have been brought into the economic, economic mainstream. The process is ongoing and much further work is required to improve the lives of millions who continue to live in poverty despair. This division Revenue Amendment Bill aims to ensure the equi equitable provincial share for all nine provinces to respond to the crisis imposed 
on, on by us by COVID-19 pandemic. Largely what informs the bill is the increase to the provincial equitable share, mainly to account for the increased cost associated with the implementation of the public service wage agreement and the implementation of the second phase of the presidential youth employment initiative. The presidential youth employment initiative forms part of the public employment programs to create jobs through labor intensive projects in response to the rising unemployment associated with the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. The lack of spending or underspending of the budget items and reprioritization. Obvious, obviously, the broader economic environment and fiscal premium will have a bearing on the bill. However, the upward revision of the GDP growth as a result of improved trade in performance in the agriculture and mining sectors which has improved growth prospects and enabled the South African Revenue Services to improve its tax collection, which are critical factors in this bill. The bill will continue to help with stimulating economic growth, assisting with job creation opportunities and providing the much needed safety net for those who are most vulnerable in our, in our country. The division of revenue ensures that there is redistribution of resources to the poor and rural areas. Although tax base is concentrated in urban areas, allocation through the division of revenue transfers high, higher per capita per household amount to rural areas. Also honorable members, provinces that are poor receive bigger share per capita. Rural municipalities receive more than twice in terms, in terms of their allocation where compared, where compared to their metros, which have higher own revenue raising abilities. For instance, on average, rural municipalities receive 4,900 rent per household compared to 11,200 received by metros per, per household. Government in, government's innovative response to the pandemic have demonstrated without doubt the critical role that the state plays and should continue to play in reviving our economy. We cannot, as some opposition parties believe, abandoning everything to the invisible hand of the market. The truth is that the market will not repair histor historical injustice and structural inequities. Transformation will remain in pipe dream without government's active participation in the economy. It is important for our people our, out there to know that the provincial equitable share comprises of a number of important interventions. Uh, the 14, 0.68 billion rent is added to assist provinces to implement the wage agreement of the public services coordinating bargaining councils. President Ramaphosa has championed the, the cost of youth unemployment through the presidential youth employment intervention, which was launched in February 2020, as well as a number of other 
programs that put youth unemployment at the forefront of economic policy, economic stimulus and the economic reconstruction and recovery programs. Um, this is a systematical intervention that is meant to eradicate the structural challenge, challenges of youth unemployment. The overall objective is to create an em employment for 20, 287,000 unemployment youth, young people, which comprises of 192,000 educa education assistant and 95,000 general school assistants. This is an enriching experience for young people who will have an opportunity to receive training on various skills that will equip them for future employment opportunities. We commend government for allocate, allocation of 350 million for the 50 million for the employment of staff and assistance nurses who will ful fulfill the responsibilities required on the in the COVID-19 vaccination programs, COVID-19 wards, high care units, patients observations and other duties as required. Uh, the role the rollover of of 210 million of the school infrastructure backlog grant to complete projects of improving sanitation in schools and creating a safe and conducive environment for learners to learn is worrisome. The delayed finalization of this infrastructure project is indefensible and should be resolved speedily. 97 million rent of rollover funding of 210 million is reprioritized and allocated to the Department of Basic Education to fund a shortfall in the provision of workbooks. There is an increased demand for language, mathematics and life skills workbooks due to changes in teaching and learning practices in public schools. In conclusion, Honorable Chairperson, I wish to affirm the commitment of those of us who are deployed, deployed to work for socioeconomic justice that will continue the fight against unemployment, poverty, and inequality. inequality. We must resist any attempt to defocus us. We must remain steadfast in using the parliamentary oversight tools at our disposal to fight unemployment inequality and to achieve the eradication of poverty in our lifetime. I thank you, Chairperson. No, thank you very much. We will now move on to uh, Honorable, uh, uh, Honorable Councillor. MP Shungwani, uh, Salga Representatives. Uh, Honorable Shungwani. Um, thank you, Chairperson. I hope you'll hear me. Yes, yes, no, you're loud and clear. <laughs> Thanks um, to the Honorable Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Minister of Finance, as well as the Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP, 
and all other members as has been greeted uh, uh, since early this morning uh, and all other delegates. It is an honor to address the NCOP during this debate on the 2021 Division of Revenue Amendment Bill. We debate this bill after the outcomes of the 2021 local government elections, which saw newly constituted council and their leadership being chosen. These are the cause of mostly new councils that will be advancing the aims of this bill. We also have to acknowledge that the face of leadership in council has also changed with these new leaders who have been elected under different government formations, like the coalitions in some municipalities, particularly in the economic hub of the country. That on its own, we include Houting and mostly Natal groups. Honorable Chairperson, allow me to add that uh, this debate is also held during this tablet year with the devastating impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the economy and the recent discovery of the Omicron variant, which is already putting the damper on the motion, of, motion and pace of economic recovery strategies and plans that the government was striving to implement. Salga as an organized uh, local government took part in the consultations processes on the allocation of national raised revenue as dictated by the Intergovernmental Fiscal Relations Act 1997, IGFR. So far, Salga has been involved in consultations on the allocations for national raised revenue at the budget forum Lekhutla, which took place on the 23 July 2021. The budget forum on the 22 October 2021, as well as the recent parliamentary sittings of the standing committee and the select committee on appropriations on the 24th and the 8th of November 2021, respectively. Honorable Chairperson, Salga acknowledges the economic situation that the country is in and the efforts that the national government are taking in addressing these economic challenges. The macroeconomic and fiscal environment outlook as raised by the Minister of Finance in his medium-term budget policy statement on the 11th November 2021 depicts that the economy is expected to grow by 5.1% in the 2021, but projected to return to pre-pandemic levels in the 2022 at 1.8%. The COVID-19 has exacerbated the South African economic crisis, particularly hitting social spending. This calls for structural reforms on public finance by exercising restraint and prudent financial management. A positive economic outlook will only be realized through sustained monetary and fiscal support. Salga support government in reducing the budget deficit and stabilizing the debt to GDP ratio. Salga further support the macroeconomic strategy of the government, including fiscal consultations to cap additional spending and maintaining the expenditure ceilings. The increase in social spending to minimize the impact of COVID-19 on the household is well received by the organized local government. Honorable Chairperson, the budget forum held on the 22 October 2021, Salga submissions on the 2021-2022 adjustments, local government fiscal framework with that. Number one, budget facility for infrastructure. On the reductions of the public transport network grant for city of Cape Town and addition of uh, 83 million regional bulk infrastructure grant for George municipality, 
Salga supports the items as it recognizes that the funds are returned by the city of Cape Town due to overestimations of the project fund and proposed that these must be redirected to other local government projects within the MTEF. Two, the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative. Salga supports the additions of the 841 million in Neighborhood Development Partnership Grant and further submitted that though the initiatives is welcome, it must be aligned to the local government functions of the grant. The initiatives should benefit the whole local government sector and not just cities. Salga also recognizes that the initiative is temporary and, res and responds to the COVID-19 impact on the eco economy. Three, the rollover of regional bulk infrastructure grants. Salga supports the rollover of 582 million towards the Infulene Val River Pollution Remediation Project. The Val River pollution requires an urgent intervention, and Salga welcomes the rolling over of the grant in response to a municipal crisis. Reprioritizations of the Neighborhood Development and Partnership Grant. Salga does not support the shifting from direct to indirect component of the 90 million to fund technical assistance of the Mukhale, Guadjukuza, and the West Rand. Salga General does not support the stopping of direct transfers to municipalities without any empirical ground for such proposals. Salga has recommended that the department demonstrate what steps they had taken to support with building capacity of the affected municipalities before the decisions to initiate Schedule 6. Honorable Chairpersons, further at the budget forum held on the 22 October 2021, Salga's submissions was that it does not support the 100% allocations of the Municipal Systems Improvement Grant to support the district development model. While the model is welcomed initiatives by Salga, our concerns are as follows. It's around the areas of uh, how municipal systems will be funded through the DORA for low-capacity municipalities and low-revenue-based municipalities if municipal systems improvement grants becomes unavailable for that purpose. Second is that the funds are going to be channeled to the, to the model for the purposes of supporting the DPM. Our questions will remain, which measures have been put in place to ensure that the alignment of the district plans and the systems with the local, particularly the poorer municipalities or municipalities with a low revenue base. In this regard, Salga respond to the recommendation made by the FFC that the Municipal System Improvement Grant should support municipalities to embrace the e-government and diversify their revenue mix as part of the buildings, the financial resilience of local governments. Um, as I move towards closer, um, Honorable Chair, regarding local government equitable share allocations, there is a risk to the basic services component as a result of the litigations between ESCOM and NERSA, which poses a risk for the local government sector of having to contend with double-digit electricity hikes that must be passed on to consumers, which will further exacerbate the COVID-19 impact on households. Honorable Chairperson, as organized local government, we are encouraged by the foundations laid out by the 2021 Division of Revenue Bill. We know that uh, the bill proposes to allocate 48.4% uh, to national departments and 
percent to provinces and 9.6 percent to local government over the next three years. This proposal, this proposal shall result in resources allocated over the next three years to national departments contracting by an annual average of 1.8 provincial resources, increasing by 0.7, and the local government increasing by 4.1, thereby begins a journey towards a vertical allocation that is more equitable to the local sphere of government. In conclusions, Honorable Chairperson Salga continues to support local government through its involvement in several intergovernmental structures and initiatives. Salga is also appealing to incoming councils to exercise prudent political leadership and oversight for the betterment of our communities. Honorable Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, organized local government, uh, uh, Councillor Slungwan. I will now move on to Honorable SF Detroit. Thank you, Honorable Chair. The ANC government is the slave master of South Africa. Chair Rafael Cruz, a Cuban American, said, A culture of dependency leads to a life of slavery being totally dependent on government and government dictates where they go in life, close quote. How is this relevant to this bill, one may ask? Because this amendment bill is indicative of government's initiatives to keep South Africans dependent. Government dictated through regulations, school hours, business hours, the economy, that resulted in job losses, underperformance in schools, incomplete housing projects, incomplete infrastructure projects, underspending of equitable shares in provinces, and yes, Greater state dependency. A man so verwacht that there in the huidige economische crisis where in Zuid-Afrika himself bevind, eerder gefokus so word op die stimulering van die economie om werkskepping teweeg te bring, of die vestiging van infrastructuur om permanente werksgeleendhede te verseker, maar nee. Die slavendrijver erken aan die een kant dat die regeringssalariskomponente groot is, maar dan word 14.68 miljard rand aan die provincies oorbetaal om die regeringse salaris voor die inkomste eerbiedig. Het stop nie daar nie, ten spuite daarvan die regering nie net toegelaat het nie, maar die virgende inperkingsregulaties geïmplementeer het en bijgedraad tot miljoene werkloses in Zuid-Afrika, kom hy nou na voren met die presidentiële jeugdwerkskeppingsproject, waar tydens een verdere 6.47 miljard rand spandeer word om tydelike werke, om meer mense afhankelijk van die staat te maak en hul gemoedere te sis. Eers woord Zuid-Afrikaners letterlijk ingehok, ingeperk en ontmoedig en daarna kom hy met krokodilkrane nader gekruip, malen sy sogenaamde sector van omgee uit te steek en die las op die belastingbetaler te vergroot, weil hy populisties na die hongermonde een leksel van dit wat ons self kon verdien gee om te laat proef. Municipalities can't honor their debt, infrastructure, and uh, according to, uh, and this unserviced illegal uh, settlements are expanding by the day, chain. While under expenditure of normal grants is taking place, the slave martyr just turning a blind eye. Most local municipalities are in financial distress as a result of this slave master's doing, cater deployment and the oh-so-familiar corruption. He allowed municipal executives and employees to be laid back and uh, created cheap, expensive EPWP temporary employment that half-heartedly tends to unproductive chores. Voorzitter, 
onderspandering van fondse baie groot strop om die nekke van die provincies, municipaliteite, wat op die ou en, inwoners, in al municipale, municipale areas, wat die op spit moet afsteek. Daar was geld voor ontwikkeling van buurte, maar dat is niet spandeer nie. Daar was geld om infrastructuur op te bouwen, maar dat is ook niet aangewend nie. Daar was geld om provinciale paaien op te graderen en stand te hou, maar die fondsen moet weer naar nationale tesserie oorbetaal word, weens van spandering. Daar was zelf geld om pittoilette by skole op te graderen, na spoeltoilette, dit te vervang. Maar hierdie project is steeds niet afgehandeld. Gelukkig word 210 miljoen rand oorgedra naar die nieuwe jaar, om even aandacht aan die probleem te geven. Miljoene randen gaan die land uit, om Zuid-Afrikaanse medische studenten in Kiba te ondersteun. Ek sê ondersteun, voorzitter, want die studies laat veel te wensen na. Taxpayers are feeling the sting of the rot on a daily basis, but the stains of sewage in and around cities and towns are so familiar. We stumble through potholes, finding our way with a smoking lamp because of load shedding. Tears filled with disappointment roll down so many people's cheeks as they watch as another bailout is given to state-owned entities like Danel. As I conclude, Chair, ons mag nie toelaat dat hier die slavehandelaar ou hoofdvast op ons krijg nie. Ons mag nie in sy net van misleiding verstrengel raak nie. Hy het alkie geld uitgedeel, maar ons bepaal ons eie toekomst. Yes, your time is up. As wat jy om toelaat, voorzitter, kom ons hou om verantwoordbaar en ontbloot elke slinkse dag. Ek wil op my rug toe te laat Wat van jou? Left, Please check your watch and let's see if you are capable of doing Thank you very much. Your time is up. Um, the next speaker is, is Honorable uh, Squatty uh, from Limpopo, Honorable Squatty. Thank you, thank you, um, our chairperson of the NCOP, uh, the deputy chairperson, the chief whip, minister of finance, Salga representatives in the sitting, special delegates to the NCOP. Our chairperson, the debate takes place at a time when our country and the world are shaken to the core by the COVID-19 pandemic. It has affected all aspects of our lives, in particular the economy and its prospects of growth and absorption of labor at all levels. It's predominantly the effects of this pandemic that had led to the decline in economic performance at a global level, which in turn has affected our nation's economy. The South African economy is expected to grow by 5.1% in 2021, from a 6.4% contraction in 2020. And over the next three years, the growth of the local economy is expected to average 1.7%, reflecting some structural weaknesses. Limpopo provincial GDP has been on the decline since 2018, when it decreased from 2.1% in 2017 to 0.6% in 2018. It further declined to negative 0.2%, in 2019 to a negative 7.2% in 2020. It is expected that uh, as a mining and other industries recover, the provincial economy will also recover going forward. 
We take note of the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill allocations to the different provinces and municipalities. We thank the national government and the National Minister of Finance for taking efforts to study and understand the conditions of different provinces and municipalities. Our country's provinces are different from uh, each other and one another. They have different needs and economic dynamics. And due to the historical nurturing of the economy and the social character of the provinces, we therefore need highly differentiated approach to uh, development and funding of the vastly different uh, spaces. But we must indicate to this house uh, that provinces like Limpopo, that the vast rural conditions that lack like basic infrastructure required to ensure economic Honorable Squati, please proceed. Let's try again. Uh, Honorable Squati. Yes, Chair. Um, yes, thank you. But we must indicate to this house that provinces like Limpopo that have vast rural conditions that lack the basic infrastructure required to ensure economic growth and sustainability. An example of this are lack of quality of roads and functional industrial development zones for processing and manufacturing of goods. Service delivery infrastructure such as village and township internal roads and sanitation are poor and in some instances non-existent. The impact of this situation is that the resources allocated to provinces like Limpopo have a deep hole to fill, and it will take some time before we could realize the developmental progress as expected by most of our communities. The Constitution of the Republic of South Africa of 1996 and the, the Intergovernmental Fiscal Relations Act requires that needy provinces and municipalities should be supported to be in a position to enable the residents of those provinces to experience a good quality lives so that their rights to life and enjoyment of all other rights are protected. The levels of crime and gender-based violence in our communities are alarmingly high, and we are doing everything in our power to address the scourge with immediate effect. Our children and women of our country and province should be free to live without fear at work in the streets and at home. Provincial government in particular, the social development department and the police services should be adequately resourced to be able to deal a blow to and reverse gender-based violence and the femicide pandemic. The rate of unemployment in the country is very high. The picture gets even gloomy when we drill deeper into figures of rural provinces. It is in these uh, spaces that we need continued social protection packages that are designed to assist the poorest of the poor. Only those that are well-to-do who are not looking forward to such packages. The current social relief of distress, which comes to an end in March 2022, 
is a good model of intervention in a disparate situation. And we need, therefore, to draw lessons from it and consider developing it to support those in our communities who are at the brink of absolute poverty. We must start to work on this intervention now and not wait until we are hit by a disaster. Our chairperson, as a province, we have just tabled uh, the Limpopo Provincial Adjustment Budget and Adjusted Appropriation Bill on the 30th of November, 2021 in our legislature. And in relation to the 2023 uh, MTF, uh, the Limpopo Equitable Share has been increased by 82.5 million in 2023 and 585 uh, in 2023-24. The Limpopo province has also been allocated 1.5 billion to fund the 2021 wage agreement. The provincial loan revenue increases from 1.3 billion budget to for 2021-22 financial year to 1.5 in 22-23, growing to 1.6 in 24-25 financial years. And the total resources or source of funding to be increased, the, the total provincial sources of funding will be increased by 1.4% in 2023 and decreased by negative. 1.6% in 23 24 and by three increased by 3.8% in 25 24 25 financial year. The total provincial allocations to departments for 23 22 23 financially amounts to 71.6 billion, which reflects positive growth of 4.4% when compared to 68 billion uh, uh, main appropriation of 2021 22. Limpopo's share of revenue allocation from this Division of Revenue Bill before, before this House constitute a fair sense of funding requirements of the province, but just fail a little short to meet the needs of the province. It is therefore important for National Treasury to continue with uh, the adjustment of, uh, to adjust the figures upwards to assist this province to achieve its developmental objections. And we welcome and support the division of revenue bill. I thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. The next speaker is Honorable uh, uh, D. Bartman, Western Cape Chairperson, Finance Economic uh, Opportunities and Tourism Committee. Uh, Honorable Bartman. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, fellow South Africans, the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill B19 2021 saw an increased allocation of 21.1 billion rand to provinces and 43.9 billion rand to national departments. A 2 billion rand increase has been allocated to the Western Cape, which has increased the budget for the 2021-2022 financial year to 56.4 billion rand, due in part to the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative and the public wage. In particular, 1.4 billion of this 2 billion rand increase is being made available for the public wage bill for the current financial year. While we welcome this funding due to the uncertainties surrounding the public wage bill, the amount does not make provision for the previous year or the two outer years. These funds will also not increase the headcount of departments as it will simply be allocated for salaries owing. 
Further, the remaining amount of the 2 billion rand, 566 million will be allocated for education, school assistance, and 36 million to health staff, including nurses as part of the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative, which needs to be linked to current programs. The Western Cape Budget Committee unanimously resolved to include in its negotiating mandate concerns regarding the sustainability of the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative grant as it is a short-term solution to a long-term problem. This stopgap measure will not create the sustainable solution we need to combat youth unemployment. The committee further highlighted that the National Treasury should consider disaggregating their data within the budgetary processes and that the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative should provide us with similar statistics for gender and youth. This recommendation was made in line with international best practices related to gender budgeting and disaggregation of data. Further, while we appreciate the increase in the HIV, TB, malaria and community outreach grant of 23 million rand, these funds are essentially a functional shift meaning that provinces have demonstrated their readiness to take over the full funding and management of these services. This does not mean that the service delivery will increase or that there will be extra funding for staff or for the mental health and oncology services. In layman's terms, we are simply moving money around from one bank account to another. Similarly, for the 17 million rand received for early childhood development centres, there's also a functional shift. We are always grateful when a department receives a new mandate and the funding follows. In fact, we are one of the provinces at the forefront of this argument. We believe that where provinces have proven themselves to be capable, more power and funding should be given to them. And while we appreciate this allocation for the ECD centres, again, funding has not been allocated for the increase of early child development centres or its staff. Again, in layman's terms, we're moving around money from one bank account to another. We also see that both the Western Cape and Gauteng provinces will be severely affected by the change in the health component of the provincial equitable share formula over the MTF period. And we cannot view this bill in isolation of that MTF period. In the Western Cape specifically, our health budget will be cut by the national government by 1.2 billion rand over the MTF period. And the provincial equitable share will see a net decrease of 540.5 million rand over the medium term. This at a time when provinces are fighting a pandemic. The model of the story is that the provincial equitable share does not incentivize, it punishes good governance, and thus the provincial equitable share is far from equitable. In layman's terms, if you're not familiar with the workings of financial information, you may look at the division of revenue across provinces and simply see an increase in numbers. What you won't see is the fact that our budget is increasing nominally by 1.5%, while National Treasury has estimated inflation at 4.5%, meaning that our provincial budget will decrease by 8.4 billion rand in real terms because of below inflation increases over the medium term. You will see increases in conditional grants. What you won't see in the numbers is that all provinces' independence is being undermined and that many, if not all of the increases are functional shifts. Again, meaning that national treasury is simply playing around with money in different bank accounts. You won't see baseline cuts to budgets in this particular bill. Currently, it's akin to provinces being owed 10 rand and you are given five rand now as a consolation prize. And now you're also being told how to spend that five rand instead of being able to prioritize the funding yourself, which brings into contestation the principle of government being closest to the people. It remains a grave concern that each year when making adjustment allocations, the National Treasury awards all provinces, education departments, their funding at the end of a calendar year. 
If you receive money in December each year when schools have closed and businesses such as in the construction industry start closing their doors for the festive season, it is very difficult to actually spend that money within the January, February time period where you once again need to ask for a rollover of funding. And if you're not successful, such funding needs to be surrendered. Consideration should be given by National Treasury to this operational difficulty, rather make the money available when it is possible to spend it. Further, the provincial equitable share formula still makes no provision for the inclusion of community safety and in particular gender-based violence as a component of the provincial equitable share formula to capacitate the efforts to combat violence and criminal activities within provinces. More than this, the current MTF period sees plans to shift colleges of agriculture to the national government, and this would negatively impact on the workings of Elsenburg College, as well as the impact on the work of the Provincial Department of Agriculture. Rather than shifting the college to the national government, all accredited colleges should be included in the allocation of NISFAS bursaries and funding. Finally, we cannot continue to pass division of revenue bills within 72 hours when the NCOP's own rules allows for six weeks of processing of Section 76 legislation. In the Limosa judgment, the court held that the lack of public participation and the then four-week self-imposed timeline, as quoted by the court, um, was unconstitutional, unconstitutional. And Obiter remarked that they doubt even that the new six-weeks rule would suffice to pass constitutional muster, especially on more technical and substantive legislation. I shudder to think what a court might say about 72 hours. Chairperson, while I have not sufficient time to deal with some of the other small adjustments within the bill, it is my belief that I covered most of the significant points raised by the Western Cape province. And on this basis, the Western Cape does not support this bill. I thank you. Thank you very much. The next speaker is Honorable uh, Okam. Honorable Chairperson, I just want to make sure that my time is correct because I saw that there's been quite a lot of time mistakes. Honorable Chairperson, thank you for the opportunity. Every time that we address this house, on either the Division of Revenue Bill or on the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill, I get this deja vu feeling. A feeling of having already been here and having already experienced this situation before. Why is that so? Is it maybe once again, as so many times before, that we see that some valid requests from provinces are ignored as was continuously done in the past? Or is it because once again, we were exposed to a completely rushed process? Or might it be that once again, my personal experience as the representative of the Northern Cape, uh, we experienced that the Northern Cape Provincial Legislature tried to blatantly disrespect the processes that needed to be followed. Honorable Chair, let me give you a few examples of why we get this deja vu feeling. How many times this year did we as the Democratic Alliance warn the previous Minister of Finance that he cannot put forward a budget that did not make provision for increases in the public wage bill without the approval and cooperation of the various labor unions? Once again, we were right. The previous Minister should have foreseen that this will happen. 
especially after being warned about it by the Democratic Alliance on so many occasions. The adjusted appropriation for the increase in public wages was therefore most certainly not an unforeseeable item, which is one of the prerequisites for being allowed as an adjustment to the appropriations bill. Time and time again, we hear the pleas of provinces with large rural components and a large geographical spread that the provincial equitable share formula needs to be changed in order for it to accommodate the unique needs of these provinces. But time and time again, deja vu, we hear the same answer from National Treasury, saying that they are close to coming up with a new model for determining the provincial equitable share formula. When will this finally happen? How many times before did we hear the pleas of farmers in the Northern Cape and other drought-stricken provinces that they need more assistance in order to combat the prolonged effects of the drought that is currently being experienced, as well as their pleas for help to overcome the devastating effects that the recent felt fires had on their farming activities. Every time we hear that National Treasury tells us that no additional funding can be made available if those areas are not declared as disaster areas, which is quite right. But once again, our pleas to the provincial or national government to do so fell on deaf ears. Deja vu. This House unanimously passed a motion put forward by myself in which this House requested the Premier of the Northern Cape to declare the areas that were so adversely affected by the recent felt fires in that province as a disaster area. It was the most logical thing to do in order to pave the way for the appropriation of additional funding to those affected areas. Why then, as so many times before, did this not happen? A lot of people in this House of Parliament might wrongly think that when I bring up the plight of our farmers, as I have done so many times in the past, I'm talking about white farmers. Nothing can be further from, from the truth. When we stand up for our farmers, we stand up for all our farmers, irrespective of the color of their skin. It is therefore very important to mention that during the public participation process that took place in the Northern Cape, we heard the inputs and desperate pleas of these farmers and no honorable chairperson. These people were not only the white farmers of those provinces, it was also the black and colored farmers. These are all farmers who, irrespective of the color of their skin, simply cannot carry on with their farming activities if they will not get immediate assistance from government. Certainly, they must have also felt this deja vu feeling because they became used to being ignored by the various ANC governments. Time and time again, we insist that bad financial management, the misappropriation of funds or corruption-driven decisions must lead to consequences for those that commit them. Yet, still we see that so many officials that committed these financial unsound criminal... I've got 40 seconds left, Honorable Chairperson. Financial criminal acts remain in their positions without any consequence management being implemented. Again, we get this deja vu feeling, knowing that this ANC government has in the past done everything to protect its cadres. 
Honorable Chairperson, fortunately for South Africa, we experienced what happened on the 1st of November. And for the first time, I believe that the ANC will get a deja vu feeling in the future when they will see that they will never get a majority in South Africa again. The Democratic Alliance do not support this bill. I thank you. Thank you very much. I like your tie, Okam. Uh, Okam. We'll now move on to Honorable Njadu. Honorable Njadu. Good afternoon, Honorable Chair and Deputy Chair, Honorable Minister and Deputy, Honorable Chief Whip, all, all House Chairpersons and members. Uh, Honorable Chair, the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill 2021 is presented before this House. Honorable Chair, let me first put this record, the, the, this matter, to perspective to the opposition. That the select committee of appropriations cannot change the final mandate of provinces. The act on final mandates, section three, every final mandate required in terms of this act must be on the letterhead of the provincial legislature. This is the mandating procedures of of Provinces Act number 52 of 2008. Chairperson, since the dawn of COVID-19 pandemic, the government of the African National Congress has implemented strategic interventions to assist millions of South Africans to alleviate the storm brought about by the pandemic. The ANC have a historic mandate to reverse the injustice of the past and redistribute the country's worth in the interest of those who have been deprived from, for, for years from assessing grant opportunities. The MTBS and local government, the changes over the 2021 MTBS to provincial and local government equitable share formula aim to improve the, the equal division of revenue uh, going forward. Over the MTBF, MTF, the local government sector is to, is to be allocated 450.6 billion, 254 billion in the form of unconditional grants, and 149.7 billion in conditional grants. Local government is at the, at the center of service delivery due to its close, close proximity, proximity, uh, proximity to the people. Honorable Chairperson, grant adjustments, a net amount of 751 million is added to the, to the Diet Neighborhood Development Partnership Grant. The purpose of the grant is to fund, support, and facilitate the planning and development of neighborhood development programs, which is a very, very important program, Honorable Chair, and projects that will be catalysts for further development in local and rural areas. This allocation is to capacitate local government to create 32,663 jobs to, through precinct management, community safety, 
placemaking, green, greening, integrated waste in management, and digitalization with a special focus on poor and marginalized areas and economic nodes. These programs should be enhanced and, and, and extended and the necessary means found to ensure its sustainability. A further nine, $90 million is added to the indi Indirect Neighborhood Development Partnership Grant to fund projects, pre preparation planning, and implementation for municipalities facing implementation challenges. The funding is specially targeted to support the following municipalities. City of Johannesburg, Mohale City Local Municipality, Katukuza Local Municipality, the West Rand District Municipality, the Social Soul Plaiki Local Municipality, the Ray Ngonyeni Local Municipality, and the City of Cape Town. In, gov in, in government's effort to respond to the structural challenges of unemployment, this, is, this bill appropriates an additional 841 million to the direct component of the Neighborhood Development Partnership Grant allocated for the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative to create the much needed jobs, particularly for the young people of South Africa. The grant framework is, however, um, amended to remove reference to build environmental performance plans and include the conditions attached to the approval of funds from the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative. The conditions required cities to expand the existing expanded public, public works program projects and enter into a new partnership with the private sector and civil society. Chairperson, um, further note, the inability of the DA-led city of Cape Town to spend 1.3, uh, inability of the city of Cape Town to spend 1.3 billion on its city, my city bus services. This is notwithstanding the serious challenges of a determining public transport infrastructure in the city. Public transport is the only source of reliable transport for the, for the public. This action by the DA-led against a uh, demonstrate is anti-poor and anti-working class stance. As the bulk of our people who are in the need of the service are ordinary poor working class people. This is inexplicable and hypocritical to say that the least. It is a shame that the DA provincial administration in the Western Cape has delayed the appointment of profe uh, professional service providers for building the design for the Club, Club Fontaine Hospital. As a result of this uh, um, failure, 10 million is taken away from the health revitalization. Lastly, Chair, why did the ANC support this bill? The division of the revenue uh, um, bill recognize, recognizes that apartheid's legacy of service Selective, selective underdevelopment has had a wide range of effects across the country. As a result, the bills, uh, the bill allocation service serve as a significant tool for redistribution and broader transformation of our society. The African National Congress support this bill. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh... Honorable we will now move on to 
the Honorable Minister of Finance, Honorable Enoch Kodongwan. The Honorable Minister. Chairperson, Deputy Chairperson, the Chief Whip, my Chair of Appropriation, Honorable uh, Day Masango, uh, delegates from the provinces, honorable members, it is my honor uh, to address you today. Honorable Chairperson, much has been said by the honorable members, an indication which is often interesting that members have immense themselves in, in the Division of Revenue Bill. They quoted chapter and verse, program by program, what is contained in that bill. Mine is not to repeat that, but to make few observations. The first observation, Honorable Chairperson, is that, and some members have referred to this point, that we are debating this bill in the context of an environment of a fourth wave of the pandemic, whose cost in terms of human lives and resources is unknown. Of course, we are debating with the Minister of Health its implications from a resource point of view. If resources are required, provision will be made in the main budget. A second aspect is the poor performance of the economy. As we sit here, uh, State SA has released the figures, which year uh, the second quarter is 1.2, uh, which is a modest growth uh, as, as, as far as I'm concerned. And that growth has got implications for the revenue that we collect. The third point, Chairperson, is the level of crime in our economy, which is a matter that needs serious attention. As we speak, the coal industry has not been able, because of cable traffic, lost about 15 billion rand of revenue because they can ship coal to um, uh, Richards Bay. That has got implication on our revenue forecast. So, those are some of the things we need to, to, to be looking. That's going to require all of these challenges, going to require us to think through um, what we call our spending patterns. In other words, it's going to require from all levels of government an effective uh, 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 budgeting process where we're targeting programs that are likely to have a larger impact. Not only an effective one, an efficient management of those resources. That is an, 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 a, a two fundamentals that must guide us moving forward. In addition to that, we must think carefully about making hard choices. What is it that we need to find? What is it that we can find, given this resource constraint?
I think if you look at the much, some uh, honorable members have said it's an austerity budget. I made the point that if you look at the social wage of this budget, is 60% of non-interest spending. Such a, such a spending cannot, by all stretch of imagination, be referred to as austerity. In addition, we have said we have got over the MTF 300 billion rand on infrastructure, average on average of 100 billion per annum. That, by all stretch of the imagination, cannot be referred to as austerity. The key question is going to be the quality of that spend. That's what we should be working together uh, in, in looking at. National Treasury publishes every quarter in terms of Section 32, the spending patterns of departments, which assist honorable members to conduct oversight function and oversee the spending patterns, the quality of spending in time. Want to make that point. We also want to make the point of the youth unemployment, which everyone is well. And I think one of the key issues we need to be debating is how to make sure that we can grow this economy, not to ensure that these young people have got decent jobs, not only to, to must rely on grants. That's one aspect I, I share with the honorable member from Freedom Front Plus. We must not create a dependency syndrome. We must uh, develop the economy, make people earn a decent living. Uh, that's the, what we should be focusing on. Honorable Speaker, uh, uh, Chairperson, um, the honorable member from the DA, uh, uh, Honorable Bartma, talk about spending money, throwing money at the tail end of the budget process. And I want to remind the honorable member that the fundamental principles underpinning the medium-term expenditure framework is to ensure that departments and provinces have got line of sight over their, their allocation over a three-year horizon, which assists them to plan ahead for their expenditure. There's no reason, for instance, that someone by April, uh, you, do, you have not uh, made your own uh, adjudication of tenders when you have got line of sight between now what you are likely to receive at the, in, in, at the beginning of, of April. That's the fundamental aspect of, 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 of the uh, medium-term expenditure framework. Then, if you do not do that, the, un the consequences of that, that you start in, at the tender process and therefore you will have rollover funds, which becomes a problem. So, Chairperson, we, the medium term expenditure framework provides for a proper planning which gives departments and provinces timelines for planning over a three-year horizon. I want to assure honorable members of the uh, NSOP uh, that as a former MEC for finance, I understand fairly well the debates about the vertical split and its implications for provinces. 
uh, I was one of the proponents and fighters of the of making sure that there's a proper equity in the vertical split. I want to make that commitment that I would agree with that and I will support that argument. I will also support an argument which again has been raised by one of the honorable members, which is funds follow functions. Again, as a former MSC for Finance, is one of the battles I have fought that funds must follow functions. It, it, is, an, it is an important aspect of the um, intergovernmental fiscal relations. Chairperson, uh, and, and, and as I've indicated, the members have said a lot about uh, this thing. This document does not talk to the 2022 budget. We're still going to come to that. What you are doing at the moment is, in fact, beneficial to subnational spheres of government, to provinces and, and, and municipalities, in the sense that we are revising their revenues upwards. One of the challenges we need to be talking about is the municipal sphere of government. And I, I sympathize with the view that they may be, uh, to some extent, in, 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 in uh, some challenges with the vertical equity. But to reduce the challenges in, in, in municipalities purely to a financial problem, I do not think is helpful because what it does say, we're not going to addressing all these challenges we're talking about. We are aware, sitting here, a chairperson, uh, um, in technically been a, a mayor of Ligua in, 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 in Pumalanga through a court decision. 42 other municipalities throughout the country face similar challenges. And I think if we downplay those challenges facing those municipalities were not going to be, uh, we're going to be unfair to those municipalities. In dealing with those challenges, we're going to require the unwavering support of this house, the NCOP, because part of the pressures and, 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 and the assistance that we need to be doing, we need to be doing that in working with an NCOP. Chairperson, as I've indicated, most of these numbers have been cited by honorable members. I don't repeat them. All I can do is to join those who say, let's support the bill. The honorable member who made reference to for the DA to farmers, I must invite him to talk to the Farmers Association. We have been in interaction, obviously, you can't talk to each individual farmer. We have been interacting with farmers associations as, as last week, if we invite him to talk, for instance, with the Agri-ASA, Christopher and Ayerde, you'll tell him that we're talking to the farmers. Uh, we are not uh, underestimating the challenges we're talking. We're talking with them about how to resuscitate the land bank. We're talking to them how to best structure funding for emerging farmers, how to best structure uh, commercial farmers. All of that discussion we are having on a day-to-day basis, not in the abstract, we're having those discussions uh, with farmers. I think with those few comments, uh, Chairperson, I urge the NCOP 
to support the bill. I don't have to repeat the numbers that have been made by and the statement made by the members. Thank you very much, Chairperson. And thank to you, I've not seen you for ages. <laughs> no, thank you very much, uh, Minister. Um, uh, that, uh, honorable members, uh, concludes the, the debate. Uh, I now put the question. Uh, the question is that the bill be, be agreed to. Uh, but before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces, as is the uh, practice, an opportunity to make the declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. And just a reminder, uh, it's three minutes per declaration, should the province wish to utilize this opportunity. Uh, Anyone wishing to make a declaration? No, thank you very much. We shall now proceed to voting on the question. And the question is that the bill be agreed to. And now call on, upon, upon the provinces to cast their votes. Uh, and when called upon to do, do so, heads of delegation must indicate, must, delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor against or abstain. Of course, we shall do so in alphabetical order. So we'll start with the Eastern Cape. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, Eastern Cape is in support of the amendment bill. Thank you. Eastern Cape in favor and support, Free State. Thank you very much. Uh, Free State supports the bill. Free State supports the, uh, the bill. How Thanks, Chair. Houghton supported the bill. Houghton supports the, the bill. Guazulu Natal. Gabon has said, it was Natal. Yes, sir. Support the bill. Limpopo. Limpopo support. Limpopo support. Limpopo support the bill. I can see Chapeling there nodding. Mpumalanga. Mpumalanga support the bill. Mpumalanga support the bill. Northern Cape. Northern Cape support the bill, Honorable Chair. Northern Cape support the bill. Northwest. Honorable Chair. Northwest supports the bill. Northwest support the bill. Western Cape. Western Cape does not support the bill. Uh, Western Cape is against the bill. Thank you very much. Uh, voting is now closed. Um, uh, in terms of the counting, uh, nine provinces support the bill. They voted in favor. I therefore declare the bill agreed to in accordance. Sorry. Oh, Western Cape supports the bill. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so nine provinces voted in favor. Oh, sorry. Eight provinces voted in favor. Thank you very much. Eight, eight, eight provinces voted in favor. 
I deputy that the bill agreed to in accordance with section five of the constitution. Um, before we proceed to the second order of the day, I'll request the deputy chairperson uh, to come forward. Thank you very much, honorable delegates. Good afternoon. And thank you, Chairperson, for the first part of the, the, uh, the our setting that you have presided over. We will now proceed to the second order of the day. That is a consideration of local government municipal systems amendment bill, B2D 2019 and the report of Select Committee on Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Water Sanitation and Human Settlements thereon. I will now call on the Honorable T.C. Dodovu, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, to present the committee report. Over to you, Honorable Dodovu. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Deputy Chair of the House permanent and special delegates, all honorable members present and those who are on visual. It gives me great pleasure to present the report on the Municipal Systems Amendment Bill on behalf of the Committee on COCTA, Human Settlement, Water and Sanitation. The Select Committee on cooperative governance and traditional affairs, water sanitation, and human settlement has fully deliberated on and considered the municipal systems amendment, systems amendment bill, which was referred to it on the 4th of December, 2020, as a section 76 bill. This bill is very much important in the life of local government because it inserts and amends certain definitions. It makes further provision for the appointment of municipal managers and managers directly accountable to municipal managers. It provides for procedures and competency criteria for such appointments of managers and its purpose is also to set timeframes within which performance, manage, performance agreements of municipal managers and managers directly accountable to municipal managers must be concluded. The amendment also makes provision for the evaluation of performance of, of these of this managers. It requires employment contracts 
and performance agreements of municipal managers and managers directly accountable to, man, to municipal managers to be consistent with the act and any regulation made by the minister. It seeks to regulate all staff systems and procedures of a municipality to be consistent with uniform standards determined by the minister by regulation. This is very much important because this bill seeks to prevent municipal managers and managers directly accountable to municipal managers from holding political office in political parties. To regulate the employment of municipal managers who have been dismissed, to provide for the minister to make regulations relating to the duties, remunerations, benefits, and other terms of, and conditions of employment. This bill is very important because it provides for the approval of staff establishment of municipalities by the respective municipal councils and to prohibit the employment of a person in a municipality if the post to which he or she is appointed is not provided on the staff establishment of that municipality. This bill enables the minister to prescribe frameworks to regulate human resource management systems for local government and mandates for organized local government. And lastly, it extends the powers of the minister to make regulations relating to municipal staff matters. It is important to mention that in terms of the participation process, uh, Honorable Deputy Chairperson, on the 16th of February, 2021, the bill was presented to the select committee, to the select committee where after it was referred to the provincial legislatures for public hearing. The select committee consulted all the nine provinces irrespective. And in the process of this consultation, the department of COCTA actively supported the provincial legislatures during the window period for public participation process. It is important to also mention that the department supported the NCOP permanent delegates in presenting the bill to eight of the nine provincial legislatures that it engaged with. And this was through the hybrid mode. In a parallel process, our committee published, the NCOP published the bill calling for public comments. This process was replicated by the provincial legislatures and to engage stakeholders such as SALGA, municipalities, members of the public, traditional and religious groups, round table of local government practitioners, legal practitioners, as well as academia. All provincial legislatures finalized their first negotiating mandates, which were due to the NCOP during May 2021. Due to delays to finalize the public hearings, some, pub, some provincial legislatures requested the NCOP to extend for submission of the negotiating mandates, and this was accordingly granted. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, 
It's quite important to mention that all nine provincial legislatures support the bill, SA Section 76 uh, bill, with recommendations which were provided. All submissions by the provincial legislatures and stakeholders were locked by the Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. Uh, this is quite important. In respect of the negotiating mandates on the bill, the select committee received nine negotiating mandates in favor of the bill with proposed amendments. The select committee on the 24th of August, 2021, held the negotiating mandate meeting with permanent delegates representing their province positions on the bill. The select committee received a briefing from the department on its responses to the negotiating mandate. The department responded to the proposed amendments by the provincial legislature. And thereafter, the department submitted amendments to the bill. The select committee met on the 31st of August and adopted the proposed C list of amendments. And this was along with was along with the relevant documentations which were forwarded to the provincial legislature. With all said and done, Honorable Deputy Chairperson, the Select Committee received final mandates in support of the bill. The Select Committee met on the 12th of November 2021 to consider the final mandates and adopt its report. This Select Committee considered the amendment process with the department explaining the reasons for each amendment and where we are, we are satisfied that all the due processes were followed and observed. And it is therefore important to mention that this report was unanimously adopted by the committee after it was also equally adopted by the provinces with, with no objections raised. With that in conclusion, Honorable Chair, the select committee on cooperative governance and traditional affairs, water sanitation, and human settlements, having considered the local government municipal systems amendment bill, referred to it on the 4th of December 2020, classified as a section 76 bill, submit an amended bill to this house, namely the local government municipal systems amendment bill, for adoption. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Honorable Dodoho. Honorable delegates, I now put the question, and the question is that the bill be agreed to. But before we proceed to the voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make their declarations of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. Anyone that want to make a declaration? Any province? If none, we may continue <clears throat> to the voting on the question. And we shall now proceed to the voting on the question. And I will now call upon the provinces to cast their votes. When called upon, heads of delegations must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. And we will call the provinces in alphabetical order. Eastern Cape. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Deputy Chair. Uh, Eastern Cape votes in favor of the bill. Thank you. Thank you. Free State. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Chairperson of the Council. Free State supports the bill. Thank you, uh, Gauteng. 
Uh, thanks, Chair. How can you support the bill? Thank you. KwaZulu Natal. we support the bill, Honorable Deputy Chair. Thank you, Western Cape. Western Cape supports the bill. Thank you, thank you very much. The voting is now closed and eight provinces voted in favor. Let me explain why I say, let me explain why I say eight provinces. Allow the presiding officer. Before we agree to the bill, I just want to explain that the final mandate of Northwest was not signed by the speaker and it is in contravention with our statutes. I'm mentioning it so that in future, Northwest uh, permanent delegates must make sure that whatever correspondence come is properly, properly dealt with. It's just a procedural issue, but we just want to make sure that we, do not, we don't have any comebacks with regard to our processes. Thank you very much. And since eight provinces uh, voted in favor, I therefore uh, declare the bill agreed to in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Thank you very much. Honorable delegates, we will now proceed to the third and the fourth orders of the day. The consideration of report of joint standing committee on ethics and members interests. The uh, 2019 Register of member, Members' Interest Late and Non-Disclosures Contravention of the Code of Ethical Conduct and Disclosure of Members' Interests and Consideration of Joint Committee on Ethics and Members' Interests. Uh, it was ATC 24 November 2021, page 11, 2020. Register of Members' Interests Late and Non-Disclosures Contravention of the Code of Ethical Conduct and Disclosure of members' interests. I will now call on the Honorable Lydia Mushodi, the co-chairperson of the Joint Standing Committee on Ethics and Members' Interests, to present the committee report. Honorable Mushodi. Uh, thanks very much, Honorable Deputy Chair, uh, fellow South Africans. Uh, Joint Committee of Ethics and Member Interests 2019 Register Late and Non-Disclosure. The Joint Committee of Ethics and Member Interests, having considered the late and the non-disclosure of financial and other registrable interests in respect of 2019 disclosure process, report as follows. The Code of Ethical Conduct and Disclosure of Member Interests prescribe that the Member of Parliament must disclose their register interests within 60 days 
of the opening of parliament. Item 9.22, the due date for the first disclosure of member interest was on the 13th September 2019. Item 10.11 of the Code of Ethical Conduct and Disclosure of Member Interests provides as follows. A member breached the code, it is the member contravene or fail to comply with the requirement of the provision for disclosed interest. 17 members of parliament fail or neglect to submit their disclosure of financial and restorable interest by the 13th September 2019. The joint committee convened on the 8th November 2019, 11 March 2020, the 9th November 2020, and the 31st May 2021 to discuss the late and the non-disclosure. The following members were considered submitting their 2019 disclosure late. Honorable N. Tim Kashwa MP, Honorable L.F. Shabangu MP, Honorable Tito Mboweni MP, Honorable Masobo MP, Honorable Ntuli MP, Honorable Butimalamela MP, Honorable Nkugubele MP, Honorable Majosi, Honorable Shabang Shivambo, Honorable Kalipa, Honorable Nyonto, and Honorable Sibisi, Honorable Apleni, Honorable Ntube, and Honorable Petrin. The following penalty were recommended by the committee. The recommendation, the joint committee recommend to the House to impose a penalty in terms of item 10.771 of the code provide as follows. The committee must recommend the imposition of one or more of the following penalty where a member breach clause 10.11 of the code uh, reminded in the House. Two members, two following members were considered not disclosing their 2019 disclosure. Honorable LG Mukwena MP, the recommendation of the committee on the basis that the member is no longer a member of parliament. The joint committee does not make any recommendation to the House in, in this regard. Honorable NG Tolashe MP, it is recommended that the joint committee consider the imposition of a penalty in terms of item 10.771 and two of the code. Item 10.771 and two, provide as follows, uh, reprimanded in the house, a fine not exceeding the value of 30 days salary. Recommendation to the committee. It is recommended that the joint committee find the member a value equal to two days salary for not initially submitting the disclosure form for 2019 and that the member must be reprimanded in the house. I saw table the report, Honorable Deputy Chair, for 2019. Allow me, Honorable Deputy Chair, also to present the 2020 late and non-disclosure. The Joint Committee of Ethics and Member Interest, having considered the late and the non-disclosure of financial and other registered interest in respect of 2020 disclosure process, report as follows. Item 9.23 of the Code of Ethical Conduct and Disclosure of Member Interest 
prescribe that the member of parliament must disclose their register interest annually at the time determined by the Joint Committee of Ethics and Member Interest. Item 9.22 also states that if a member has not registered interest and zero return must be submitted. The due date for the 2020 disclosure of member interest was on the 6th November 2020 and after, after extended to the, 20, to the 20 November 2020. Item 10.11 of the Code of Ethical Conduct and Disclosure of Member Interest provides as follows. A member breached the code, it is the member contriving or failed to comply with the requirement of the provision of disclosure interest. Of the 454 members who are required to submit their annual disclosure, eight members failed or neglected to submit their disclosure by the due date. The Joint Committee convened on the 31st May 2021, the 3rd August 2021, and the 22 November 2021 to discuss the late and the non-disclosure. Two members were identified submitting their 2020 disclosure late. The members are as follows. Honorable Voyani Pambo, MP. Honorable Nonzele, MP. The committee recommend to the House to impose a penalty in terms of item 10.11 of the code, which provides as follows. The committee must recommend the imposition of one or more of the following penalty where a member breached clause 10.10.1 of the code, uh, reprimanded in the House. The recommendation of the committee, it is recommended that the member be reprimanded in the House. Six members were considered not disclosing their 2020 disclosure. The members are as follows, Honorable Deputy Chair, Honorable Betamabi, MP, Honorable Nkosi, Honorable Itumele Nzube, MP, Honorable Munoko So MP, Honorable Nyabo, MP, Honorable Msebenzi Zwani, MP. The, com the Joint Committee recommend to the House to impose a penalty in terms of item 10.771 and two of the code, which provide as follows. The, the committee must recommend that the imposition of one or more of the following penalty where a member breached clause 10.11 of the code, uh, reprimanded in the house, a fine not exceeding the value of 30 days salary. The recommendation of the committee, Honorable Deputy Chair, it is recommended that the House find the member a value equal to two days salary for not initially submitting the public disclosure form for 2020 and that member be reprimanded in the House. For Honorable Nzube breach of code, the committee recommended the following honorable deputy chair. The joint committee recommends to the house to impose a penalty in terms of item 10.1, 10.771 and two of the code, which provides as follows. 
The committee must recommend that the imposition of one or more of the following penalty where a member breached clause 10.11 of the code, a reprimanded in the house, a fine not exceeding the value of 30 days salary. It is recommended that the house find the member a value equal to five days salary for not in initially submitting the public disclosure form for 2020 and for being in breach of the code for the second time. Also the member be reprimanded in the house. Allow me to thank all members of this committee to avail themselves to work very to work of to, to do the work of this committee. I thank you very much, honorable members. Also, honorable deputy chair, allow me to thank advocate Godan and the staff to make sure that our work in this committee is well done. I thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson Kiale Buha. Thank you. Madam Key, Honorable Mushodi, thank you. Honorable delegates, I will now put the question in respect of the third order. And the question is that the report be adopted. Remember, this report is on the ATC of 24 November 2021. But before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make their declarations of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. Any province for a declaration of vote? If none, we will continue. We shall now proceed to the voting on the question and the question is that the report be adopted. I will now call upon the provinces to cast their votes and the heads of delegates must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Eastern Cape. Thank you very much again, uh, Honorable Deputy Chair. Eastern Cape vote in favor of the report. Thank you. Thank you. Is there someone else for Free State? Free State. <laughs> Thank you, Gauteng. <laughs> Uh, Chief Whip, can you, can you just put it on record? Uh, okay, thank you. The presenter is from the province, and also it implicates another member. Mm. <laughs> so we do support the report. You have been the only man standing of the free state. How thing? How thing? How thing support the report, Chief? Thank you, Honorable MPC. KwaZulu Natal. KwaZulu Natal, I have said a second style of report, Mama. Kiavonka, Mama. Limpopo. Limpopo support the report. Thank you, Pumalanga. Pumalanga support the report. Northern Cape. Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Northwest. Northwest supports the report. Thank you, Western Cape. The voting is closed. And since all the provinces voted in favor, we therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Honorable delegates, 
The House has agreed to the recommendations made by the Joint Committee on Ethics. The penalties will therefore be imposed. The relevant delegates will now be reprimanded in the House. And in view of this, I now call on the Honorable Apleni. Honorable Apleni, can you rise? Honorable Apleni, you are hereby reprimanded in the House for breaching the Code of Ethical Conduct and Disclosure of Members' Interests in that you submitted your 2019 Disclosure of Members' Interests form late. You are reprimanded. If it was my own word, it would be different, but the word is prescribed. You are reprimanded. You may sit. Thank you. I will now call on the Honorable Ntsube. Honorable Ntsube, may you rise? Honorable Ntsube, you are hereby reprimanded in the House for breaching the Code of Ethical Conduct and Disclosure of Members' Interests in that you submitted your 2019 Disclosure of Members' Interests form late. And I hope you are properly reprimanded and I hope you have got remorse. It's my own words that I'm adding. Thank you, Honorable Delegates. I now put the question in respect of the fourth order and the question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make their declarations of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. Provinces? No province, no declaration of vote. Let us then, let us then proceed to the voting on the question. And the question is that the report be adopted. We shall now call upon the provinces to cast their votes when called upon heads of delegation, they must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain, and we will call the provinces in alphabetical order. Eastern Cape. Thank you once again, uh, Honorable Deputy Chair. Uh, Eastern Cape vote in favor of the report. Thank you. Thank you, Free State. Chief Whip. Yeah, Free State vote in favor of the report. Thanks. Thank you, Gauteng. Gauteng. Thanks, Chair. Gauteng support Gauteng the B. Support. Thank you. Kwazulu Natal. It was Zulu Natal, the second of the Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 mama. <laughs> Limpopo. Limpopo. Limpopo support the truth. You, Nchabaleng. Langlas, you stay more. Pumalanga. Pumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape. Thank you. The voting is now closed and since all the provinces voted in favor, we therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Honorable delegates, the house has agreed to the recommendations made by the joint committee on ethics. The penalties will therefore be imposed. In addition to the fines indicated in the report, the relevant delegates will now be reprimanded in the House. In view of this, I now call on the Honorable Nkosi. Honorable Nkosi, where you are, can you open your video so that we see you? Honorable Nkosi. So it's obvious. Honorable Nkosi. There is a reason, Ms. Honorable 
Honor Willem Kosi, die hele mense wat gepraat het, is die Honor Willem Kosi nie. Honor Willem Kosi, is, the, I saw earlier on that Honor Willem Kosi was on the platform. I don't know in this instance, Let, let me, let me, just. Deputy Chair. Deputy please, Chair. Please open your video. I've Honorable already opened Kwasi. my video. I'm sorry, I've got a network problem here, Deputy Chair. We understand that. Can you just sit still for a moment to get your reprimand? At least you are there now. Honorable Nkosi. We want, yes, to see your face. we want to see your face on the video. Please. I want people to see who is Honorable Ian Kosi. Oh, it's me. I'm here, uh, uh, Deputy Chair. Thank you, Honorable Nkosi. You are hereby reprimanded in the House for breaching the Code of Ethical Conduct and Disclosure of Members' Interests, in that you failed to submit your 2020 Disclosure of Members' members' interest form on time. Honorable Nkosi, can we see you again? Thank you. We understand that you've got problems with your network, but we hope that you have cleared. There you are. Let's see. We don't want to see a smile on your face. Thank you, Honorable Nkosi. I now call on the Honorable Ntube. Honorable Ntsube, can you rise, please, young man? Honorable Ntsube, there is one thing that we do as mothers. We feel very sorry for young people, but young people must also respect our rules. So in terms of that, you are hereby reprimanded in the house for breaching the code of ethical conduct and disclosure of members' interests and that you fail to submit your 2020 disclosure of members' interest form on time. Personally, I don't want to see you again standing for the same reprimand. I hope you will in future submit your disclosure in time. Thank you. You may sit down. Honorable members, let me then now thank all of you that are present here, MECs, the speaker of, speakers of provinces, the chief whip, also the the Minister of Finance, who was also present, as well as the Deputy Chair of Committees of Northern Cape Provincial Legislature, all special delegates and SALGA representatives for availing themselves for the plenary. If we say special delegates, we include the chairpersons of provincial financial committees that participated in the debates. That concludes the business of the day, honorable delegates. The house is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Mama. Thank, Thank you. you. Can we do that? Recording stop.